Hello everyone, welcome back to Line of Succession. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by my co-host Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey everybody. Spencer, here we are. Episode four, Lion in the Meadow. We had we we finally this uh season we had our Kendall Logan face to face. How was it for you? It wasn't my favorite episode of the season so far, but it was still a very good one and a very well-written one. And it involves a lot of characters acting in one way, but planning in another that's going to be delightful to unpack with you. A lot of chess pieces moving around this episode. Um, a lot going on in the Waystar building, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where most of the action happened. I mean, the sexy part of the episode was that we got Logan and Kendall. That's what I led with. That's what people will remember from this episode. But I think that the most of the stuff actually going on was happening in the Waystar offices. A lot of really important little side conversations and power plays happening there. Shiv trying to figure out exactly where her role is and people <laughs> figuring it out for her, which I also liked. Yeah. Um, and an all-timer absolute all-timer put it on the big board conversation between tom and greg Woo! what a good one I mean, that that one was good that one was hilarious but tom had, i mean tom always has some memorable episode memorable scenes every episode he's in but his conversation with shiv was also just it is rough seeing a guy that at least is representing the world he is this broken and this on the verge of collapse see this is where you and i are going to struggle doing a review of this right because you are a naturally very empathetic person. I'm like 75% of what you are. I'm not sure the whole audience is that, right? So I think we're going to, when we review that, we're going to be like, we're going to feel real bit bad for Tom. I think there's a significant part of the audience that does not feel that bad for Tom. It's also one of those things before, based on what we saw last episode, I don't trust Tom in a way I respect. Of where I think to a certain degree he's acting or at least playing up to try to get a reaction rather than necessarily feels this way. But I'll have to see in the future whether they're going that route or not. Very much could be the case. We will get into all that and more here on Line of Succession. Line of Succession, we review HBO Succession. We are on Season 3, Episode 4, Lion in the Meadow. Our format here on Line of Succession every week as we go through the recap. I I will read the lead, lead the recap <clears throat> every week. I will do that for you, Spencer. No problem. Free of charge. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) And then after that, we will go into line of succession. What's the best line of the episode? Best line of dialogue we got for that week. Then we will go into Roy of the episode where we we will award a Roy. And usually we talk about the Roy that lost here. Usually that's like a power rankings type thing we do with that. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to get into this week because I feel like there was a couple Roys that were... uh, we're in murky territory, to say the least. And then we will get to my favorite three minutes of the week every week. Looking forward to it this week. Spencer's relationship advice of the episode, where Spencer looks at the events of the episode, looks at all of the dialogue, all of the interplays, all of the personalities, and comes away, distills it all for us. And we come away with some familial advice. How do you treat your relatives? Spencer's relationship advice of the episode should be fun. Yeah, buy them, buy, as, this, as this episode tells us, buy them rabbits and take them on long walks, and you'll have a wonderful relationship right there. Oh, the rabbit thing. That was really funny. That was another little side thing. There's a lot of things going on in this episode. A lot of I things. Think I, I tend to agree with you. It's not my favorite episode. It certainly isn't my favorite episode of this season, but it was a succession episode. There were, there were things going on. I wouldn't Absolutely. put it at the bottom. I wouldn't say it was a bad hour of television. I think they're just moving things along. Moving things along. We're saying our not favorite episode freaking guest starred Adrian Brody. That's the level this show offers for us is that that kind of guy can just step in and we're like, oh yeah, it was a good episode. Is he the guy that kissed Holly Berry that time? Yes, he is. Okay. He probably regrets that now in retrospect, right? Yeah. 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 Even at the time, people were like, 
dude. She played it off well, but come on. Yeah, you, you're just because she's attractive and you're drunk. No, <laughs> bad move. No, anyway, no. but he does he does do a great job on this episode. But we will get into that on the recap. We will start the recap after a bit of housekeeping. This is a Mangum Talks episode. If you've never listened to any of our Mangum Talks pods before, you can go to any of your favorite podcast platforms, perhaps the one you're listening in right now. Type in Mangum Talks. Those are the keywords. You will get all of our podcasts that will pop up. Spencer and I do a number of review episodes for different television shows. We just recently completed a review of Ted Lasso, the Apple mm-hmm. Plus TV series. Before that, we did HBO's The Nevers, which is a really great fantasy series, kind of set in Victorian England. There's magic. There's aliens galore a lot of fun check that one out on nevers more let's do a general interest podcast called mangum talks you can check that out so just type in mangum talks m-a-n-g-u-m uh talks into your favorite podcast platform and you will get all of our stuff and if you like our stuff please rate review subscribe i promise i read every single one of our ratings i look at all of the feedback that we get i distill it i send it to spencer he only thinks that we get positive comments because that's all i ever feed to him wait what Yep, and anyway, on to the recap. Season 3, episode 4, Lion in the Meadow. Spencer, what? Am I just dumb here? Tell me what the what the title means. I interpret it as being like a, a, a like a hidden threat, where someone's stalking and building up to a moment of attack kind of thing. Like the lion that's hiding in the high grass waiting to attack kind of scenario. Yeah, who is that, though? Like, I, I'm a little I, confused. Usually I understand the name of the, the title, right? Usually it's pretty clear what they're talking about. I was a little confused this, this well, episode. I mean, I, we, you discussed previously, and I think this is an interesting thing to go into at the start, that you thought that Kendall was being outright stupid and assuming that Stewie and gang were on his side. Yes. That, that he just had one conversation and assumed, yeah, they're, they're locked up. They're great. They're in my camp. This episode really kind of played off that, no, 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 these guys are... A, intrinsic threat that could bring down all of us so it could so they're well, the lion you think they're the lion in the meadow well it could be them or it could be freaking adrian brody that you know he's lulling them in under you know pretenses of i just want to talk just come to me but at the same time he could actually have been in stewie's camp the entire time and just manipulating them for his own amusement who could say we the number of i thought threat, it was tom could oh tom's a good call too the tom number, could be lying in the meadow the number of people who are potentially capable of destroying the world these rich, privileged bastards operate in is getting larger by the day. Yeah, it's. A, I'll tell you this about this season. Greg. Freaking Greg. It's sprawling. Yes. There is a shit ton going on. Way more than normally uh, in the first two uh, seasons of Succession. Because remember like in season two where they went to like the... Um, the other rich families, the Pierce like, family, yeah, the Pierce families, the Chateau or whatever for a retreat. It would, there was one thing going on. Oh. I mean, there was interplay within that, but there was basically it was basically almost like a stage play. There was yeah, like one thing going on. This shit is a lot. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of different scenes, characters in a lot of different places. It's very good call. Cause I mean, like this, the show started with them basically all in a hospital hanging around their dad's cot. That was how, that was where we started and spent several episodes. Then we had them, them at the Pierce retreat. We had Boar on the floor. So many of the episodes Boar on the floor. We're all the characters in a room just suffering together. Now they're in different locations. They're doing different things. They have different goals and purposes. We're doing Game of Thrones level of complexity in an already very complicated show. Absolutely. Now we go to the recap. We start at Kendall's house. Greg is there. Kendall seems happy about the raid on Waystar. Quote, you happy you're not on their team, huh, G? (sighs) Greg seems Mm -hmm. pretty worked up. uh, And Kendall notices that immediately. Greg says, Logan wants to see him right away. Like right away, like at his apartment, like right now. 
Kendall says, you should go, man. It means you have weight, bro. You're an asset. Greg, I have this stupid worry that I'll go over there and there'll be goons and stooges and rough jacks who will be there to administer a beating. <laughs> what what generation is Greg from that he's using goons, stooges, and rough jacks to describe what he's afraid of right now? It's, it was a little Spencer-ish. Yeah, it was a little Spencer. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'll tell you this, Greg. Uh, if one thing we've learned is that Logan does not need stooges or rough jacks. Oh, no, he can stare you he down himself. He will beat you himself. Uh, Kendall sort of ignores all the craziness. And he says that Logan's going to try to turn Greg against him. He says, man, Logan's going to try to turn you against me. You're not going to turn against me, are you, Greg? Greg, Greg, you're not going to turn against me, are you? Greg, here, great lines of dialogue here. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and let's nominate this for the Emmy. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Shakespearean. Greg, I'm a sturdy birdie. Kindle, say it three times before the cock crows, brother. Greg, cock-a-doodle-doo. Kindle, okay, knuckle up, big bird. It's wonderful dialogue. Absolutely great. All right. So in life, sometimes this happens, right? You find yourself in the middle of some very awkward banter. Yeah. And you just keep going with it and hoping it stops at some point. This was a really, I felt like realistic scene where like two awkward, fundamentally awkward people. Yeah. Kendall and Greg are two fundamentally awkward people trying to riff. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a disaster. I mean, it kept going. Knuckle up, big bird. (laughs) You asked this before, and it's a wonderful question to ask. Why is Kendall so confident that Greg's just going to be loyal to him? Gave him a house. He gave him a house, but that was a year ago. And... He's still living in it. He's Yes, yes, he is still living in it. But, in terms of things that Logan can offer Greg right now, he can offer him a hell of a lot more than a house, and Kendall wasn't even willing to buy him a watch. Uh, Kendall, here are a couple things going on here. One, one Kendall's kind of stupid. You always have to just remember that. With Two, people stupid, people stupid. And if you're and if you're just joining us here on Line of Succession, I am a big Kindle bro. I you am are. number one in the court. I've liked Kindle the whole time. I've I've always have what I every single step of the way, season one, two, three, I would have voted for Kindle. But he's kind of stupid. Two is I think that Kindle has this misplaced thought that he is doing the righteous thing, and therefore people are going to flock to his banner. That's very true. He's like you know what he is. He's like uh, he's Viserys Targaryen. And he's like, as soon as I land, the one true king. I'm the rightful king, so they're just going to come. He's just assuming everybody's going to come to his banner. And I think that's where he kind of thinks that he has the benefit of the doubt with Greg. Uh, and obviously, he, he misreads that. It's really nice to see that you're just one of Kendall's sturdy birdies and just never going to leave that behind. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> Kendall then gets a request for a call. He thinks they're going to fire him because he's like, uh, Waystar's calling me. It's a bunch of people on the line. Pff, they're going to fire me. Folks, I need the command pod. Um, which coincidentally, Spencer, is what we're doing right now, a command pod, if you just, didn't know that. Just to confirm, he is in his own house now. He's not still in Rhea's house, right? Or, no, he's in the command pod. Is, okay, give me the t- what the command pod is. I need the command pod to be defined. I'm assuming he's in his own house, not his ex's at this point. It's he's at his house. Gotcha. And, uh, he's got the command pod going. Okay, yeah, of course. Uh, got and so do we. Pod. This is the command pod right here. We're in the command succession. pod right now. You've got UNC uh, Game Run behind you, I see, in your command pod. Good call. Knuckle up, Big Bird. Cut to the opening credits. Uh, we get 1.56 before the opening credits. 1 minute and 56 seconds before we get the opening credits. Pretty normal for this show. They have very normal, fast, yeah. cold openings. They don't they don't dilly-dally. They get you right to the music. Get you right in that sunken, oh God, things are going to get awkward Pavlovian response when you hear that theme music. Mm-hmm. 
Kendall is then on the line for a conference call with Jerry Frank, Carl, Shiv, Carolina, Hugo, and Roman. And that's only the people that are introduced to him. Mm -hmm. Kendall introduces himself as Little Lord Fuckleroy. <laughs> now, a, a, question for you. Yes. Is that Little Lord Fuckleroy? I, Roy, like last name? I, I kind of interpreted it. It's, it's obviously a reference to Little Lord Fuckleroy. But, yeah, Fuckleroy. It, it works on multiple levels. Kendall, I'm going to describe him as very punchy in this meeting. Would you agree with that? I, we've seen him more punchy, but this is still top level punchy. Gang's all here. It's like the fucking Sergeant Pepper of broken corporate America. Not, conference call jokes are just the best jokes. Um, not, not the first Beatle reference we're getting in this episode. Apparently, Kendall's a big Beatles fan. I'll tell you this about how Jeremy Strong delivers these lines, and I'll give him a lot of credit. He has a way of delivering the lines and, and Kieran Culkin gets into this a little bit too, where he starts this, this line did it. Um, gang's all here. It's like the fucking Sergeant Pepper of broken corporate. America. He says it in such a way that you feel like he's grasping for the yes. next word. He, like, and that is kind of realistic in how an idiot like this would, would riff. Right. It, it's a very authentic style of speaking of where he's getting ahead of himself before he even starts. And he's just trying to struggle to find what magical thing will come out of him by the end. Um, so they start in about this thing of, Hey, you know, Sandy and Stewie, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. We have some investors who were worried based on things that you've done. You know, Carl wants to jam that Frank wants to shut him up on that point. Kendall does stop them at one point. He says, yeah, but I think I'm going to drop off here and call back with my attorney. Like, Anytime the law is referenced, I have to pause, kick it over to you, Spencer. What would you advise Kendall do in this situation? I would have very much advised him to have his attorney on the call before he even fucking started. It's, done, it's not apparent his attorney even knows this call was happening, which is just nope. stupid. I mean, it's like, at this stage, at this stage of where you're actively probably under investigation, of where you've got a weird semi-firing breach of fiduciary duty situ situation going on with your company, your attorney needs to be there for... A freaking everything their attorney is jerry's there why the hell isn't yours so here's my thing like that we spent so much time in the first episode establishing that lisa ann is this rock star attorney and there's this big <laughs> power battle he's talked to, to see who gets her and you know this is kind of like uh you know lebron james free agent we're going to spend all off season talking about the decision he finally declares i'm going to the lakers and then the Lakers put him on the bench and don't play him. Like, that's kind of what's going on here with Lisa Ann. It doesn't make a lot of sense what Kendall's doing. It, it, every now and then we see his PR people in the background sitting on a couch just looking annoyed that they're not being consulted on anything. But that's kind of it. He's put together this team of brilliant women, what he said in episode one, and then he's maybe spoken them on the phone like three times. That's it. Yeah. Otherwise, he's Shift, just doing his own thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Shiv jumps in. This is just a conversation, Kendall. This is in response to the lawyer comment. Uh -huh. Predictably, he snaps at her. Oh, hey, Shiv. Thanks for the letter. First-rate composition. Shiv says everything in the letter was true. I challenged her on that. I do not believe everything she said in the letter is true. She basically said that Kendall has relapsed. He's big into drugs now and that this is a drug-fueled thing that's going on. You've made the point, which I thought was a good one, that he does kind of act a little high right now, but we have seen no evidence that he right. is doing drugs. I don't think what she said was true. I also would like to point out that I'm going to be biased the rest of this episode 
that Shiv is an asshole. I don't like Shiv. <laughs> she is a jerk this episode. Yeah. She really pissed me off in multiple scenes, and this is the first of many scenes this episode she pissed me off. In, in, in not uh, even just with respect to the letter, her response to it. Before Kendall kind of rightfully points out that, you know, that was a low blow. I don't know if you and I are going to come back after that. Remember what her response was to that Oh, letter? whatever, Mom. It's like... Fucking ass. What? She's the, she's the worst. I mean, she really does suck this episode. And, I, you know, I think there is a positive correlation with Shiv between how fucking insufferable she is and how much power she has. Every time she gets it, even scotch of power remember what happened in season two when logan told her you're going to be the next one you're going to be the, the next person yes. she immediately started acting different to the point that she even dropped the bomb in the middle of dinner with the pierces like yeah which was if you really give her a, it's a give a mouse a cookie situation with her but it, well, let's keep in mind though this is a show of where our rivals when it comes to assessing who is the more moral sibling as we find out this episode did did tattoo the head of a homeless man so none of them are looking great by the time we're done here Oh, no, no, no. I mean, Ken, look, I'm Team Kendall. Kendall is the best. As, so as Logan said, he might be the best. He's the best. <gasps> but he's not great. But, Ken, man, this is a, not a great Shiv episode. Um, Kendall does point out, I don't think me and you can come back from that. She yeah. completely dismisses it. She says um, she might have lost. Like, uh, she says, uh, oh, Jerry jumps in. Yeah. And she says they have a situation. She kicks it over to Frank. I thought it was very interesting how they use Frank this episode. I think they realize that Frank, other than maybe Roman, are is about the only person that Kendall really wants to, or will talk to. That's and you notice really his tone apparent. changes. As, as soon as Frank gets on the line, his tone changes. Yeah, he immediately brings down the volume. He talks yep. in an even pace. He presents it as the most reasonable scenario possible. And even Kendall's tone changes because he just when when they kick it over to, when they kick it over to him he just says hey Ken and Kendall's tone of saying hey Frank is perfectly friendly without any of the sarcasm yep. he's offered previously. The two of them are clearly close, and it's apparent that you know among the people that Kendall was calling, the first non-family member he called was Frank. Yeah, Frank says the raid caused serious issues, and Carl says thank you for that, Kendall. And Frank puts up a hand. Don't don't fucking do that. All yeah, right, we're talking. Um, Kendall does fire back. Well, accountability's a fucker. The feds find your nipple clamps, Carl. <laughs> I find it really funny how in the season one, the fact that uh, Carl was a freak was just a little nibble. We got a little nibble of that. Yeah. And by season three, everyone talks about it openly. That Carl's a freak. That he's like in whorehouses. He's doing all kinds of weird shit. This even comes up on this monster monster um, conference call here with everybody listening. Um. Then the Carl uh, uh, Frank goes on to explain they're specifically talking about Josh Aronson and his four percent holding. Frank explains he called Jerry directly and he's thinking of switching to Sandy and Stewie. Yeah, apparently he's playing hard to get, but he is interested in getting a room with Logan and Kendall. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Bum, bum, both of them in a room. Kendall reflexively, as if kicked in the knee, says, "Absolutely not. Will not do it. Mm -mm, not happening." Frank pitches it as just a half hour in a lawyer's office. Remember that later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How fucking different this, mm -hmm. this meeting ends up being. That is not even, that's not, that's a butterfly to a fucking caterpillar. That thing, that change, that is not even <laughs> remotely close to what this thing turned out to be. Kendall bought, then, then the kicker is they say, well, we, we, we've got him in about four hours. Kendall, not the smartest guy does correctly point out he needs to tell them to fuck themselves on this one. That is yeah. crazy talk. Call them and say, hey, in four hours, we're going to meet with this guy. So Kendall balks at that, says he won't be railroaded. And then 
Come, behave appropriately. Logan. Oh, oh hey, Dad. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> with Shiv, actually, too. Yeah, he's sitting there with Shiv. Um, he says, this doesn't work for him, so fuck you, God bless. Back to Shiv and Logan. Shiv tells him that she's hearing the raid was just a warning shot. Things could slow down a little now. Says he needs more people, more protection, Shiv. Quote, Dad, you have two former deputy AGs and the ex-head of fraud at Maine Justice. These are the Harlem Globetrotters of the Westchester judge fuckers. Pretty good line there from Shiv. Yeah, pretty good. It does does And it, not, it doesn't surprise me that Logan is that sort of... Uh, ganged up right that he's what? got that that type of sp- squad running right now it doesn't surprise me well it's interesting too both kendall and logan have the squads they got the elite people kendall couldn't give a shit and just skating logan's acting like we're under threat still what can i do to help this one of these two is taking their taking the situation seriously the other one definitely isn't i disagree kendall is taking the situation seriously but you have to remember what two situation very important things you have to remember two very important things. One, he's kind of an idiot. And two, <laughs> is that he really genuinely thinks he what he is doing is like righteous and right, and therefore things will work out. Like, I think a well, lot of Well, then he's deluded. Well, yeah. Well, in a way, I mean, what, he is do, what he's doing is like 60% right, right? But like, he thinks that that is going to carry the day. And he is wrong about that. I agree with, I agree. He is wrong about that. But I, I don't think he's not taking it seriously. I think he thinks but, he's got more juice than he really has. Well, the problem is, I don't know if Kendall knows exactly what he's done or what he wants to do with it. That he's knocked he's knocked over the sculpture. And now he's like, and now I shall rule the pieces and they'll all come together perfectly. But he's not really pondering what the next steps of that are and what he would actually need to do to accomplish that. He's just kind of vibing the entire way through. No, I think he thinks that he is going to pressure Logan into stepping down and the board will vote for him for CEO. (laughs) Good luck with that shit. Completely agree. Logan then goes on a rant about how, quote, the raisin owes him everything and now he's not giving him any protection. Quote, now I need a bit of cover. Forgetful cunt has gone AWOL. I think perhaps we have insufficient, rigorously journalistic we have been insufficient rigorously journalistically on the president mm, mm. <laughs> okay fox news uh, has i turned will on translate Trump. that for our audience um he wants that chiron to say fuck you raisin uh he, he wants to he wants uh a, a, to go after the president a change in tone not, not nothing so drastic of course not insufficient rigorously journalistically on the president logan's assistant comes in and says she has connor logan bellows see see i'm in a corner everyone wants a piece everyone's out of their box everything's coming up fuck everything's coming up fuck it's a great that line. line that's Potential a great line, line. In the episode everything's coming up fuck feels like one you could use at your work uh yeah absolutely <laughs> logan then tells Shiv he wants her um on firewatch and he wants her to watch the negotiation cause a smart bastard but he likes to be liked. Really funny scene here to me because Logan's... All right, let me see if I can get my fucking thought out of my mouth. All right, Logan's... Logan's um, criticism of Carl here is that Carl likes to be liked, Mm -hmm. meaning he won't be particularly tough in negotiations. Right, he wants to be accommodating. But did you see the reaction from Shiv when he said that? No, actually. What, Shiv was super fucking excited to be in that inner sanctum with Logan, to be getting the sort of like tete-a-tete, like the little, like, oh, I'm giving you the behind the scenes. Yeah. Shiv 
fucking likes to be liked by Logan. Like yeah. that's her weakness. So there's if yeah. there's this weird like fucking thing with it a thing. It's not irony, but it's something where he's he's referencing Carl talking because he's a smart bastard, but he likes to be liked. At the same time, you get the reaction from Shiv that verifies that she has the exact same weakness as Carl. That as long as she feels like she's being liked by Logan, she doesn't really think critically and she kind of acts drastically. Shiv also interprets this to mean, I need you to ride Carl. That is not what Logan said. and I She think is she, crazy as hell. What, what, what she should have anticipated out of this is that Logan really respects Carl and basically just wants you to observe and report back to him. What he doesn't want you to do is to any way intervene or disrupt Carl while he works. But yeah, she interprets she took it that, that way. She took it to mean as I need to go in there and like punch him in the mouth. Yeah. She is, she's something else. But that reaction from her, boy, does she love it when she feels like she's like in the locker room with Logan. She really likes that. Mm-hmm. Cut to Roman and Jerry. Roman is asking if they can strategize that he with, has gold here. With his feet just out in a room. More on that later. But in the process, he takes his shoe and sock off, scratches his feet. Now, pause. Who the hell hasn't wanted to do that with a dress shoe in the middle of their day? Dress I, shoes are the worst for wanting to scratch your feet. This is why I like having an office. I do this all the time. Oh, I'm sure you do. Yeah, socks everywhere. It's me. Yes, of course. I've left socks. Left, on socks. Jerry tells him, "Put your footwear back on." Uh, they need boundaries. What? I can't take my footwear off. I can't masturbate in a time and place of my choosing. It seems like he was starting. Did you get a sense yeah. he was starting the role play? Yeah. Oh, she's into it. Okay, we'll start now. It's like, no, you wanted, no, no, no. You wanted her to say, no, you're not allowed to do that, bad boy. You're you're a slug puppy. It's like, no, no, no. I'm actually telling you to stop now. We're in a business setting. She actually goes further than that. She says, that kind of talk will kill us. Yeah. Um, and so I think that a couple times this episode, you get Jerry's thinking. I'm not sure that Jerry... I think Jerry really likes Roman and probably romantically really likes Roman. I think she's worried that her position and his position and their ability to accumulate power and effect change in that company will be drastically inhibited if people find out they have any sort of romantic relationship because A, it's inappropriate, but B, it's fucking strange. It's real weird. We've seen that several times. Because we, we also got some evidence, sorry to cut you off, but we also got some evidence that she fucked Logan, right? Okay, you have to point that out to me when we get there, because I did not pick up on that. No, no, no. In previous seasons, oh, there previous was an season, implication, there's been implication that she had an improper yeah. relationship with Logan at some point. If there's any a kernel of truth to that, now with the son, whoa, son. Yeah, that could be a problem. But I, Strange. We've talked about it, where I think every single one of these episodes we've seen Roman and Jerry together, Roman's been pushing for them to make their relationship public. He clearly wants that. He wants the world to know the two of them are together. And she's done everything in her power to keep that lid closed. Because, like you said, I think she sees that she likes him. She sees potential in him. She wants to, him to grow up under her in a lot of ways. But she doesn't think ooh, any of that's ooh. possible. Yeah, She doesn't think any of that is possible if what they have in any way comes out as being anything other than business. I don't think they have anything right now. I think she's cut it off. I mean, she's he, not. The, he all, thinks, all they ever had before was she advised him on a very personal level and then she occasionally coached him through masturbation. Right. Hey, how would we know? Their relationship is her criticizing him, him responding to it. How would we know? With it? But she doesn't seen? do that sexual part anymore. So I don't think yeah. they really have anything other than they're just buddy-buddy. And I've got Ro- buddies at, the, at work. You know? Roman thinks they are, very much clearly, and wants, and thinks that he's you know, trying to encourage it to continue. She's not directly addressing it, at least. Yeah, we can talk about that toward the end of the scene more. Jerry says that that kind of talk would kill them, which I've pointed out. Roman quickly moves on to discuss Kendall's bachelor party down in New Orleans. Now, this is a fucking awful uh, uh, story, so uh, buckle uh, up. 
ladies and gentlemen. Or you could just skip do do a little skip ahead fifteen second thing on your player. Do it twice because we're gonna about thirty seconds this is gonna be really gross. So Joe. apparently what happened is they were drunk down in New Orleans and they As were drunk douchebag guys with money and they decided, well, what are we gonna do? We gotta do something wild here. They finally settle on getting a homeless man and convincing him, probably by paying him, to get a tattoo of Kendall's initials on his forehead. And this happened. And apparently yeah. they just moved on. Apparently he just left New Orleans and that was that. I, I Jerry don't think questions we, is... Go ahead, you go ahead. Yeah, it, it seems like the category of things... I don't think Roman's thought about this in 15 years. I think it just suddenly occurred to him. Oh, what things can I use to bring down my brother? Oh, I remember. Didn't we do something in New Orleans? I think it's that level of like involvement in his head. Yeah, and I also think it probably clicked for him, which he's just about to explain, right? Because she says, is this a good thing to drudge up? Roman, oh, Kendall? Wocahontas using a poor man's forehead as a post-it? It's fucking yeah. killer. Are you kidding me? Carrie just uh, Jerry just eh, very mm. casually says, well, I'm not sure. Roman asked her to go to lunch. She says, no, I can't do it. I have a date. Roman, fuck off. With who? Montgomery Cliff, the ghost of Christmas past? Little Montgomery Cliff died in 1966, so yeah. pretty funny joke. Uh, Jerry says she's going out with someone named Lori, who was ex-DOJ. Leave it to fucking Jerry. She's such a pro, she can't even date without fucking moving the chess pieces around in the date. Like, she is always doing something. As she advises him, think about how each of your actions improves your standing. Even who she's going on a possible romantic liaison with, it better have some in-business benefit for her. He worked the Arthur Anderson prosecutions, probably a throwaway line we won't ever get anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I want to see if there's a back channel there, Roman Laurie. And you said he wants to back channel you in the parking lot or Roman Jerry. And then Jerry no, cuts him no, off. See, no. that's the thing. I'm dating. I am dating. And this needs to be understood. Roman with the potential line of succession. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You join a line or otherwise Laurie will knock my jolly old block off. If he can find his sword stick and fire up his motorized bath chair. <laughs> Roman is clearly okay with this. Roman is very supportive of their relationship. I think we can see this in the words that he's offering right now. Look, he, he's a man who who takes well to direction. All right. Yeah. And she's giving yep. him some direction and yep. he's handling it. Clearly. No, there'll be no further problems or repercussions from this whatsoever. Cut to Logan's apartment and Greg appears. Logan greets him. Drink. Uh, alcohol? Greg says, oh, it's early. Now, normal people would would be a little uncomfortable with uh drinking so early in the morning now why do you think logan insists on the drink at at 9 a.m or whatever this is get him loose you think it's I, that simple well I, I think it's a mix of things i think it's a get him loose b kind of it's both mixed between getting him loose and making him uncomfortable because it's the alcohol will make him loose but it's also a category of things that he's not used to doing at this hour anyway also it's logan he probably just doesn't know how to not drink when he invites somebody over to his apartment for this kind of thing I think it's a combination of all three things. You 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 round you eventually rounded the bases of everything I was thinking. I think it it will get him loose. It, you, you Greg does not scream to me the type of guy who can handle his liquor well too. It makes him uncomfortable yeah. uh, doing something he, sh he knows he doesn't want to do, shouldn't do that that hour. Uh, and then three, I think it's also just a sort of like this is just what we do. Yeah. Uh, Greg, I love this scene. Uh, sorry, I cut you off, but I'll, I'll go back to you in a second. I love yeah. this scene because it shows. The difference in age of how people drink. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, what were you going to say? I was going to ask you, how expensive of a rum do you think he just destroyed by putting Coke on top of it? I would be shocked if it was less than $1,000 a bottle. 
and he just threw Coke on top, which can't, which Loken has to ask somebody to bring, because of course his mini bar doesn't have Coke. And you hear how he says it? He looks at him and just goes, ah, get Greg a Coca-Cola. Like he just, <laughs> What's he this just foreign language? As angry and dismissive as he can be that he's going to do this. It's just so funny, the difference in how like a grown man drinks versus an early 20-something guy drinks, you know, mm-hmm. like... It wouldn't even occur to, like you pointed out, wouldn't occur to Logan to even have a mixer like Coke in his fucking liquor cabinet. And then, you know, Greg feels like he's at a bar. He's like, I'll get a well drink. Yeah, what's what's on special? Give me the rum and Coke. Um, Logan points out Greg's been hanging out with Kendall a lot. The thing is, your position at Waystar could become complicated if you become too associated with him. Greg, strong one. Nice, strong one. Strong, strong, strong for a man. Strong, strong for a man. That's going to be a gif. Strong yeah. for a man. That'll be a gif. What? Go ahead and put it out there in the ether. I mean, in terms of the drink that he has made, is this thing half rum? Because it looked like that was a good solid bit of rum they just put a little bit of coke on top of. Yeah, I mean, like so it's strong. Yeah, what he made. Yeah, Logan poured him the drink that he would have, which is like liquor in a glass, and mm-hmm. then he said, "Oh, you want coke with it? Here you go. Here's some coke." Yeah. <laughs> It, it, strong one. It, 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 clearly the strongest strong drink Greg's ever had in his life, probably. Logan makes a point that Greg's never been through this before. It's a good point, Logan. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you hurt. We need our lawyers all working together. One big happy family joint defense agreement. Big strong umbrella. Keeps you dry. Greg says he'd have to speak to his lawyer, Pew, who is <laughs> generally unavailable during the day. <laughs> Reassuring that reassuring i generally can't get him during working hours maybe like sunday at three i could give him a ring you know yeah. like maybe maybe right before he starts in on the line i could catch him it's good to know he's prioritizing um, my case logan then hands over the paperwork for him to sign greg predictably fumbles quote my question would be what it's uh, uh worth in terms of the me of it all logan what do you want greg what can i get logan that's not the way it works i really don't think that's the way it works i think that was uh misstep on greg's part well i think it's a misstep but i have enjoyed that logan now encourage encouragingly talks him through it it's like no 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 that's not how this works and look at you shaking like a fucking leaf listen you have some leverage just a little so why don't you fuck off think about what you want to ask for come on side i'll see what i can do I, I there think, he is coaching through it i think everyone kind of likes greg it's interesting to say oh. Of course. What would you dislike about him? Well, he's awkward as hell, but yeah, it's kind of endearing in the end. He's the only character that doesn't have, like, these big, mortal, fatal flaws in their character. Well, Everyone else does. And I also think Logan kind of respected that Greg, he had to, you know, get his mind in order, starts with, well, I know what you want, but what do I get out of it? I think Logan respects that kind of mercenary kind of response. Yeah, Greg, fair, fair deal, not a deal. Not a deal, but a plan. Should, should I chug this? Just chug. Can I, I, I can chug it. I can chug it. And then he chugs back probably, I don't know, two, three hundred bucks worth of fucking rum. Greg proceeds um, to get up uh, and to leave, not before dropping this darling of a line. I don't know how you did it back in the 60s. Better times? Better times? Not for all. It's basically like, I don't know how you guys drank all the time back then, because this is, this is not easy for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hope it never does get easy, Greg. That's what I'll say. Cut to Kendall calling Frank. What's up, Ancient Grains? <laughs> I, I would really like if that is just Frank's nickname that Kendall calls him. That's a great nickname. 
I I just love I just love every like the people who write for Kindle are so great because everything is like this like it's like a joke but it's like C minus level maybe what? and like awkward. He thinks he's it's never so, a good joke. He thinks he's so cool. He thinks he's so great at socializing, and it's reality. People can just occasionally tolerate him. They play it out perfectly. <laughs> Frank asks, "Well, where are your heads at with all this?" And Kendall affirms, reaffirms he's not to be railroaded. Uh, Kendall then asks Jess to get Rabbit Cam going. So here's the thing, okay? Kendall has purchased a rabbit mm-hmm. for his kids, but his kids are not there. So yeah. he gets Jess to put the iPad in front of the rabbit presumably play with the rabbit a little interact and therefore good dad here's another thing i'd like to point out please keep it keep it in mind i'm team kindle i've got yeah, my kindle your, jersey your on. favorite character K- yes go kindle on kindle jersey initials across the chest Just i the see chest this paper, not that he's got time this is the problem here he is not that busy oh no like not at all his Man, thing, man's I just can chilling in his house. In Kendall's mind, he thinks he's too busy to be a good dad. He's not that busy. Like he could be doing the rabbit cam thing. He could be doing good dad stuff. We get enough to see that he kind of sits around a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I almost kind of find it sad that we, when we're looking over his shoulder while he's talking with Frank, the kids probably because they have just no idea of what a better relationship with their dad would be. Honestly, seem pretty excited about rabbit cam time. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, Frank then makes the point that when this all blows up, Kendall's going to need the big players in his camp. Kendall says, Josh Aronson, I think is his name, right? Yeah, Aronson, Aaron Brody. Is a, a lock for him. Frank, that's not what he says to people. And, you know, what's great about this show is that characters often deliver lines where you don't know if they're full of shit or not. This happens probably 80% of the lines. Yeah. The way that this actor who plays Frank delivered the line, that's not what he says to people, I immediately believed him. I was like, wow, that's not the type of bullshit line. He he feels bad for Kendall in this moment. That mm-hmm. Kendall's that off base on where this guy is. Kendall really sucks at reading people. We see that all the time. Terrible. We, we're seeing a new category of it. Of Kendall, like Shiv. Shiv did this a couple episodes ago with respect to Kendall, I think it was. Really sucks at knowing when people are actually in his camp or not. And often just assumes yep. it with very little evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. Notice, um... Again, I wanted to point out how how Kendall speaks differently than Frank. Yeah. Um, he even listens to Frank tell him that's not what Josh says to people. And he doesn't blow up or challenge him. He just kind of takes it in. Frank pushes again saying, look, it's smart. He basically hits him on two fronts. This is a good idea for now because you, can have Sandy and, you can't have Sandy and Stewie win. That just nukes Everybody everything. Loses. But it's also smart for tomorrow because it would be fun if, if your dad has to step away. You get to show Aronson who you are. Basically, you stave off the nuclear holocaust here of of, of Sandy and Stewie. And then you also position yourself for presumably what he wants, which is to get the majority of shareholders to support him. And the camera pans up, and it's Logan sitting next to Frank while this is happening. Again, Kendall misreading the situation. He probably Uh would tell you that he's got Frank in his pocket. Yep, Frank's 100% my camp. No loyalty to my dad at all. Absolutely. Now, just because Logan's sitting there, I'm not willing to say that Frank is 100% committed to Logan. Oh, God, no. Frank's Frank's Team Frank. Exactly. And I bet you, all things being equal, he'd pick Kendall. But all things aren't equal. So, absolutely not. Kendall says, when and where? This clearly landed with him. Frank explains, this has to, there's been a last minute change. Josh's daughter is six. He's requesting they come to his 
private island? Yeah, private island off New York, apparently. Uh, uh, I think I'm good. Frank also pitches Kendall and Logan meet on the tarmac for 10 minutes on the other end to flesh out any, you know, awkwardness, weirdness that might come up. Yeah, yeah. Spencer, could you imagine maybe a tad bit of awkwardness coming up? Uh, just a little bit. That's something that you easily 10 minutes on the tarmac will clear up, though, right? Yeah, knuckle up Big Bird, though. Should be good. Kendall then <laughs> says, let him know. Uh, and let him know. I, uh, I'm going to chew on this. I'll let you know. Logan, who's in the room with Frank, looks pleased. Cut to a dueling scene with Logan and Kendall driving in black cars. Kendall's in an SUV. Logan is in a more traditional Mercedes. I think um, going to the tarmac to get on helicopters. Kendall gets there first. Jess. <laughs> Poor Jess. She doesn't. Jess, earnest. Mm-hmm. Jess mm-hmm. is earnest. Fair. She doesn't quite understand the power play thing. This is something where Carolina would have sussed out. Oh, what's going yeah, on. A- absolutely. Carolina and Hugo would have been on this. Uh, Jess missed it. She goes, oh, oh, they're telling us to hold for a second. Kendall's like, hold, okay. Meanwhile, Logan gets out, big boy, power play. Nope, I don't want that one. I'll take that one over here, which is the one that appeared that Kendall was going to get in. Mm-hmm. Since the Judas gets the other one. Jess then has her phone ping. Okay, you're good to go. Kendall <laughs> looks like he just got kicked in the gut. Tells Jess to make sure the rabbit has water. Then he gets on the other helicopter and off we go. We get a tense music transportation scene. How many times have we gotten this in this show? Tense oh. music, people uh, traveling somewhere in a very expensive manner. You want to ask where the budget of this show goes? We've debated this before. Transportation scenes. Renting helicopters and jets for brief moments. That's where the budget of the show notes. goes. I wonder, this, is, this is great, my, my, my uh, thinking here. In my notes, I actually put, I wonder if they rent helicopters for these scenes. And I typed out, I was going this fast. Scratch that. It's obviously, obvious they do. Wow. That's yeah. what I put. Because <laughs> it's clearly their helicopters. We, we get a scene of them going somewhere by helicopter or plane at least once every other episode. Sometimes multiple times an episode, like in this one. Cuts Kendall Landing. His security person tells him they've been asked to go first. There's so much for the 10-minute meeting at the tarmac. Um, off they go. So Kendall is not going to sit and meet at the tarmac. Well, not this tarmac, at least. There's still a possibility of the next tarmac. Yeah, but Logan expects this one, clearly, when Logan gets out later. Um, cut to Shiv, walking into Tom's office. What a scene this is. Uh, this is a, all right, another, another instance where I think Shiv does herself no favors and comes off as the worst. She tells him that Logan wants a piece out, criticizing the administration. Tom says, well, that's not really how it works. We have to handle a pivot like that very delicately. Think, folks, what if Fox News wanted to just wholesale turn on President Trump, right? That's exactly what's being contemplated here. Right. Shiv, well, I know that, Tom, but I thought I was talking to my husband so I could be a little bit more direct. I'd like to point out, Shiv seems to be talking to her husband when it's convenient, and she seems to be talking to a lower-level employee when that's convenient, and she seems to oscillate between the two with no real barometer as to which she's in at any current moment. Oh yeah, she's That's my read. she's sewn these two hats together. There's no separation between them. There's no transition. They're just always both sitting in some kind of weird Frankenstein combination. Yeah, she sucks. She then asked Tom what he's doing, and he's got some research on various prison facilities. Um, he has a Shiv, laminated book. Shiv has such a weird reaction to that. She just goes, "Tom, uh, that's not going to happen." Tom says, his "Number one is FCI Otisville." I gotta say. Rich white people really plan for prison a lot different than the rest of the world, don't they? Like, he's, like, planning. How do you plan which one you're going to go to? Like, what the fuck? I assure you, sir, if you want kosher vending machines, you need to work this out in advance. See, 
He's working into the assumption that, of course, he's going to be in a white-collar facility. And he's also working into the assumption that he's going to be able to negotiate the terms of his plea deal so as to be able to pick where he's going to be. Man, the other half lives well. She other... messes up Otisville, though. <clears throat> she doesn't even really remember which one that is, and that irritates Tom. He's like, mm, I need you to pay attention to this. Otisville has kosher vending machines and sturdy bunks. Tom then goes on to say they are calling him Terminal Tom. Because his career has cancer. Oof. I got some nicknames I'd like to try out. Oh, please. Secondary Shiv. Oh, ow. Temporary Chevon. Uh-huh. Could we try that one? You Those can try it. What's, what's optional? Let's see. Those are the two I'd like to try for Shiv. Shiv, sensing her husband needs the comfort that only a wife can provide, Absolutely. immediately changes the subject and pushes the idea of changing the <laughs> message uh, on the administration. Tom says Ravenhead has his own battalions. Quote, he values his independence. Shiv, obviously thinking through this, doing a little game theory here, responds, he's a little bitch. Uh, once he gets it, he'll do what my dad wants. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. But. Tom pushes. Uh, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. She pushes him again. And Tom says, in terms of optics, I should probably not take orders from you. So Tom is basically saying. Two different reasons here I shouldn't take orders from you. One, you're my wife. I probably shouldn't be in your chain of command. There's an inherent management conflict of interest there that any organization should have HR policies to avoid. Absolutely. They do for normal people. They're just not going to adhere to them. Second is, I'm kind of like, my ego is really fucking fragile right now. I'd really not like to have my fucking wife run around here bossing me and telling me every little thing to do. And he actually tells her that, like... Pretty straight up. Masculinity. Poor guy even says, for my masculinity. Shiv, ignoring that altogether, says, if you carve out for me, it undermines me. Shiv, uh, Tom says, uh, and then Shiv says, Tom, I would like you to handle Ravenhead. Yeah. Sure, I'll talk to him. <laughs> and, and she leaves. Yeah, and also, can you thumbscrew Greg? Yeah. And yet you can just see, just even the tone of Tom collapses. Any degree of self-worth he had just evaporates as he just, yes, yes, dear. Tom, I would like you to handle Ravenhead. Yeah. Like, God damn. I don't think, do you think that, all right, if I had to pause the show now and ask you, does Shiv love Tom, what would you say? I think she thinks she does. That's not what I asked, though. I don't know if she has a... I don't know if Shiv has a concept of love other than what she feels for Tom. I don't know if she knows how to feel differently about another person. So what we're saying here is that by our definitions, probably doesn't love him. But that's probably as close as it gets for her. I don't know if she's capable of loving another person, sadly. I think she is, at least in a state right now, views people based on what value they can convey to her. And Tom is becoming a poor investment. I agree completely. Shiv sucks. Very well worded about how much she sucks and she's awful. I appreciate you saying that. Cut to Logan arriving. He um, asks where Kendall is. They call Kendall and Kendall says, it's obvious what we need to say, so I'm out. Meep, meep, Logan. It's from Roadrunner, you know. Why does he have to call out us from Roadrunner? What a dork. This is a mistake on Kendall's part. I really think he should have set for the 10-minute little debrief about, okay, what's our game plan here? The guy goes into it just confident as brass blind and 
proceeds to fuck it up at every turn, assuming there was anything he could have done to fix it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the only part of this I'm going to push back on, is the idea that it, he, he this ever could have worked. Cut the shift meeting with Connor. It seems like Connor still wants a little suck-suck for his pee-pee, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Remember that from last episode? I do remember that. suck-suck for my pee-pee, sister. It was a very Roman line. Yes, let's keep going with that. He's asking Shiv for something in order to play ball, right? Of course. What he's saying here is, I need something in order to help with this whole shit show that Dad and the company have found themselves in. Mm -hmm, Connor says he's going to make his move in four as it appears the Raisin's going to be reelected. That's right. Connor, our guy, just lost his whole, all of his worth in a Broadway show that's giving everybody sand mites. (laughs) <laughs> with the lapel running for president in four years. But he'd like to move into the company right now. Why? Mm. Like to hit a couple accomplishments and move on. The thing that people are hitting me for is a lack of, of Work experience. Uh, experience. So you guys are going to do that for me, right? Let's fill out the resume. She offers him something called Gourmando, which is apparently a food network. Spencer, isn't this a brilliant fucking idea? Mm. <sighs> Connor it, would do so well at that. He would be such an interesting character to run a, show, a network like that. Is it something that would be perfect for him that he'd do well at? Yes. Is it what he wants to accomplish by this? No. No, of course. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not saying that. I, obviously, that for, if he wants to be president, this is not remotely anything close to that. I just think for what we know of Connor, this is a good call. Like, let's yeah. get him locked into Gormando. I, I think Shiv's not mm-hmm. intending this to be an insult. She's intending this to be, this is something we know you could do and do well when she's offering this. But Connor's dreaming bigger now, and so he very much perceives this as being a put-down. He's a meme. He is a meme. Con heads have power right now. Gotta remember that he's a meme. Mm -hmm. He goes on to talk about all the juice he has, and Schiff blunts him, says, you got juice up to a point. Connor, quote, I can pull out the megaphone anytime I want and say, I recall my father was a nasty, racist, neglectful individual... What was it they used to say around here? No blacks, no Jews, no women above the fourth floor. Shiv, closing the door, says you have our attention. I just thought a lifestyle network or a stock situation would be easier for you to manage, which is abundantly fucking true. It's true. It's also a put down. Connor then, then recalls a time when she used to play post office and would stamp all the mail that came into the house before the grownups would read it. Quote, this is a little bit like that, isn't it, Shiv? Oh, that's a hit right there. That is an accurate characterization of what her job is now, and Shiv does not appreciate it. Shiv, let's stay civil, Connor. <laughs> Connor then says, I don't want to deal with you. So I guess that ended that conversation. See, no. Mm-hmm. Who do you think got the win there? How do you score I, that round? I think Connor. I think Connor represented strength, indicated where he's coming from and what he wants, and Shiv had no reasonable response and badly misread the situation going in. You know Shiv's having a bad episode when she's losing rounds to Connor. I mean, she's been losing rounds to Connor for a couple episodes now. Honestly, Connor's been offering some very pithy wisdom to her, and he's continuing this time around too. She, he did, he did, he smoked her. I would, I would. That's a clear ten nine win for Connor. Cut to Kendall arriving at Josh Aronson's. Kendall greets him. Kendall asks how his daughter is, and he says she's okay, just a fever. Josh asked, Josh asked about Kendall's son. Kendall with a Nah, aren't we all just a couple of parents trying to make it work? Quote, I bought him a big giant fucking rabbit, so now he's Googling where he can buy the world's biggest carrot. Kendall, Pretty so, it, he, but he so thoroughly misreads what this is. 
That he's just content that, yeah, this guy's my buddy. I'll go buddy-buddy with him for five minutes and everything will be great. This is not that conversation. No, not at all. Kendall then says they should, uh, well, Josh says, where's the big man? Eh, right there. Uh, right yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where's the big man? Kendall says, um, it's all good. We could we could talk now. Um, Josh, is it all good? Kendall, I, I don't know. It's terrible. It's all good. Whatever. Josh says, yeah, but that's my question. See, yeah. But that's yeah, what I yeah. want to know. That, that's Don't you just yada yada That's what I want to know. Kendall Kend- says, well, maybe we should wait for the old man, but I guess I'll just go ahead and get into it anyway. Kendall, quote, look, it's simple. I'm better than my dad, but my dad is still better than Sandy and Stewie. Josh said, well, you kind of didn't hit the whole chessboard here because my other option is just get the hell out, just sell all this fucking stock and take my loss. Kendall says, well, the commit is coming. The comet is coming. Quote, Spencer, I'm going to need you to translate for me. Yeah. A single acquisition we buy in a single oven UI, machine learning, social media, super app dinges, we buy Gogo. Gojo. This this is Kindle's new Valter. He's just he's jumping between the new perfect purchase that's gonna fix fix all of their problems. And it's probably not a horrible idea, but he continually seems to believe that it's just one magic bullet will fix everything. Josh says, Well, that's a little overpriced. He's already done the due diligence on this, on this potential acquisition. Here's my thing. I think Kendall's probably right that this is probably a good buy. I trust Kendall in this respect. I don't trust an executive whose who's answer to any crisis a company is facing, whether it be revenue, margin, turnover, personnel, buy more. regulatory issues, is to buy more things. That's always that's always a problem, right? The, does not fix the underlying rot kind of scenario here if you're just making it bigger. But they do a good job in this scene of conveying that Josh is not impressed with Kendall. It's not very obvious. Kendall then awkwardly invites him to his 40th birthday party, and Josh wants to know who else is coming. Uh, to which Kendall responds, what, you need a list? You, me, and Henry Kissinger. Fuck you. I know everybody. This is, Josh is continually... Who else te- is coming? Tough. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough Let's moment. Hang there. But it's one of those things of where Josh is continually testing Kendall and Logan here in a minute in a variety of ways. And can we agree that Kendall fundamentally dis- either disappointed him or proved exactly what he thought Kendall was in a way that's not good for them? I do not believe that. Ke- I actually disagree with that. I don't believe he's testing Kendall. I think he's, I, I think he, his mind is made up about what Kendall is before Kendall gets there. What he wants to hear is from Logan, how's this going to work? Yeah. And he wants to hear Kendall say, I'm going to be subservient to Logan. And he wants to to have some confidence that Logan's going to be there for a while. If he doesn't get those things, I don't think he's signing on no matter what the fuck Kendall says. I don't think Kendall ever had a chance with this fucking guy. And And that's the problem that Kendall has is that Logan would have sniffed out that this guy's disrespect meant that he was placing him somewhere like like in a different mental category. And Logan would have given him the fuck off right quick. It would have been fast. Yeah, because he, he would have known he, where he sat. Like that's the thing. Like Kendall, I, I, you pointed out right at the beginning of this episode, Kendall does not read people well, and specifically, he doesn't read how people think of him well. And I, I honestly think Logan understands what their objective is here a lot better than Kendall is going in. And I think if, if Kendall had just listened to Logan for a couple minutes about this is what this guy wants, this is what he's fearful about, this is what we need to represent to him now, I think they would have had a chance of giving Josh what he wanted here. But Kendall just rushes off Roadrunner style and they never have an opportunity and Logan's having to pick up pieces before he even starts. 
True. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't see Logan as the big savior of this situation because I think that um, I think Josh doesn't... has a built-in respect of Logan that Logan is able to leverage. It's not anything Logan's particularly doing, and I think Logan ends up fucking it all up with his hubris at the end too. He, he so, does. But we'll get there. He does. Logan asked him about his daughter. Uh, well, well, during this bullshit, come to my party. Who's going to be there before I commit to a thing? Um, Josh sees Logan and breezes right by Kendall to go to Logan. Mm-hmm. Logan asks him about his daughter. Josh seems much more engaged and attentive to Logan right off the bat. This is something Kendall should have picked up on. Logan and Kendall greet each other. Kendall gives him an awkward hug. Very awkward hug, yeah. They have a seat. Josh says he wants to check in as an investor, but also as a as a as a friend. As a friend. I gotta tell you, this Josh guy not impressing me. Fucking douche level high, high, well, high, high douche. Well, it's a, it's mixed between douche and manipulative. This guy has his objectives here, and they don't perfectly square with his guess. Yeah, and I also just don't. I also think that like, I will right, we'll get there. I will get there. Mm-hmm. He says he has concerns. Logan says hand on heart. He's used that expression a few times. The writers he does. are consistent he does, with, yeah. with his his lingo. Hand on heart. There are short term issues. The core business, the core business, the volatility is already priced in. Somebody who knows the market. I.e., it's not going to go lower based on these short-term issues. That volatility is priced in. Probably true. Safest option, sit back, sit tight, count your gold in your castle here, and I'll make you a hole. Josh listens to this. No, it doesn't work like that. Can we take a walk? Logan's like, well, a walk? How far? I'm 100 fucking years old. <laughs> I feel like this. I feel like this walking is rude to Logan, and I think Josh knows it, and I think he doesn't care. I don't think this is mindless. I don't think this no, is care. The, the, like he, when Logan says how far, and he's like, "Ah, what do you want me to get you a card or something? Come on, let's go." And the, he keeps walking and keeps going. It's a power play. It's a power play, and it's a test. This is Josh playing the game in a way that he knows Logan's not going to have a good response to, because Logan can't show weakness. He doesn't know how to, and so he has to keep pushing himself until he eventually breaks. And that's the moment that Josh is trying to test for. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Logan does agree to walk. Josh, fucking King Kong, come out to dance with me. I'm honored. Right? See, that's another thing. If I'm Kendall, I'm like, that's oh, he's got King Kong. I would be so offended what? by that joke alone. Well, it, it, it's an offensive joke to both of them. Because it you know, frames Kendall as being insignificant, but it also basically accuses Logan of being his dancing monkey. Neither of them come off great in that line. It's a, it's a put down. Josh takes off, and we have the first awkward silence between Kendall and Logan. Logan, I would like to volunteer to you, Spencer. That the best part of this episode is the awkward silences when Kendall and Logan are together. How many do we get? Do we get? We, is it two or we three? Get two. We get two. We get two, like extensive ones. There, there, there's some. There's some while they're walking, but there's two of note, and that it's are this one, and it's the one when they're sitting down later. So, second where, one's my favorite, where they're completely alone, and they just don't talk to each other. Don't have any idea to interact. It is very, very awkward but also incredibly engaging as a yeah. viewer it is engaging and revealing they almost say more by not talking than by actually speaking to each other probably do cut to hugo walking in to talk to roman the tattoo guy comes in here's a scene this is not he a great to scene. roman he <laughs> says to roman nice to see you roman yeah nice to catch up you never call oh you can feel him collapsing when he says the joke you can feel him going oh god i, I suck. shouldn't have said that yeah i suck and as soon as he says it, he goes, you go, you, you, you. Lead, please save me. Hugo says he wants to make an offer to Mr. 
Albescu is this guy's name. Who, who brought his attorney. Who brought his attorney. Unlike anybody else, this guy brought his attorney. Of course he did. Of course he did. And what, what fucking attorney wouldn't go to this meeting? My God. Absolutely. Spencer, would you be counting the money? On the way, on the well, on the car ride there, would you be counting the money? Well, and the attorney rightfully assumes that this this is an NDA situation right now, right? Where you want me to not disclose what the hell you made me do or convinced me to do back in the past because it would make you look bad, right? Which is an is a reasonable read, but not really what's about to happen right now. Yeah, but that's not what the question I asked you. I'm I'm talking about how your kind. Yes, my breed will be predatory toward this homeless guy because it's obvious that he's going in to get some sort of payday from the rest. I don't assume this guy's a homeless guy anymore. It looks like he's progressed up. He has established himself as a guy who's working in the community, may have found a a home or whatever else. Let's say he's not homeless. Okay. Uh, But still, yeah. If if, if he called my office and said... He, he yeah. called at my office and said, hey, I this happened to me in the past, and now I just got called in to talk <laughs> they, they to They wouldn't want to talk do, to me. Do, do you mind coming in with me? It's like, well, I was at a Cha-ching. wedding, but I can leave, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, sorry, honey, be back. <laughs> Absolutely. In the middle of a public crisis for the Roys, where they are getting shit on for being... For, right. As a corp, corporate, as a company mistreating people who are like poor, like uh, or lower social economic status than them, it's just perfect. Absolutely. Making that money, making that money. Um, Hugo says we want to make an offer. Roman cuts him off and says, "Where's the tattoo? Are you the guy? Are you the guy? I don't see it." So they go, actually go up to this fucking guy's forehead. It's a crazy awkward scene this and starts touching <sighs> his forehead like he's a like not a person. Yeah, this, the, they're checking the horse's teeth. That's the scenario right now. Uh, finally, they say the lawyer explains, "Hey, well, this you know, this guy got it removed. He was just going to try to participate in society. And like, in order yeah. to do so, you can't have like fucking initials tattooed on your forehead. So he got it removed." Hugo says, "Where are their photos?" The guy tries to stonewall Roman. <clears throat> that makes sense. Not wishing to make this too transactional, but how much for the photos? The guy says, it doesn't feel good. I wouldn't, I, I just, I would feel like it's going backwards, Roman. That makes sense. There's got to be a number, right? I'm just going to throw it out there a million dollars. Just a million dollars. And obviously, some iteration of that works because he gets the photos. Later. Yeah, I mean, the look that the, whole, that the that this guy gives to his attorney that they share for a second is like, okay, so, uh, yeah, we're negotiating now. <laughs> yeah, it's not an NDA situation. This is... We're going to pay you a lot of money if you can produce evidence that this occurred. Everybody's dignity has a price. Cut to Josh's house and his daughter is now in the pool. Fucking Josh sucks. He sucks. Yeah, and Logan's Logan's looking over at this and just immediately goes, okay, so yeah, this was bullshit. Gotcha. Understand now. She's feeling better, huh? Yeah, and you see Kendall, like, ask, like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, yeah, it was weird. She was, like, Kendall's still, like, trying to engage with this guy. And Logan just goes, why don't you tell me what you want so I can give it to you and we can fuck off? Because yeah. this is bullshit, what just yeah. occurred here. I, I, I came in here under the just willingness to believe that this was under reasonable pretenses. Obviously it isn't. Let's just get this done. Kendall blames his fuzziness on low blood sugar. Josh offers to get him a banana or a power bar or something. Fuck you. Put hell. down. And, and fucking hell this is for logan well and josh plays this well because he's able to turn the two of them against them over this is that he realizes yeah. there's a bit of a divide between the two of them about the subject of you know logan clearly doesn't want to do this 
but because he doesn't want to do this, he knows he can get Kendall to mock him for it, which is going to get Logan to do this. Josh works these two off each other perfectly. Logan says, okay, let's go. Josh explains that he's lost 10% of his 4% on this $350 million. <gasps> I did the math. Yeah. Yeah, it means that his 4% is worth $3.5 billion. He's got $3.5 billion invested in Waystar Royco. I would say that I don't think this guy has Steve Ballmer money. I, I'm just going to guess. He doesn't have $100 billion. I think he's a little bit too invested in Waystar Royco. you got to diversify, folks. But that would mean that Waystar Royco, the company, is worth $87.5 billion. So there we go. You got an no. answer to that. No, no. He asked if Logan or Sandy, but is 87.5 about the number you'd have pegged it? Is that, is that in the ballpark you would have thought? I was betting actually more. You thought it was a trillion dollar company. I, no, no, $100 billion company. I, I thought it was in more in that range, yeah. Okay. This was about right for me because I remember when Logan said if he cashed everything out, it would be what, 10 billion, he said? I don't remember the exact figure. I actually have to go back and check that. So th this seems about right. Okay. He asked if Logan or Sandy is going to get uh, that back for him. Basically, uh, they're going to get that back for me. Logan says, stick with me. That's the value proposition, Kendall asks. Josh asks Kendall how that works, considering, I don't know, just fucking everything you've said for the past two weeks. Yeah. Kendall, Beatles put out some of their best shit when they were suing each other. Josh, yeah, good band. Logan says it's a good band. Well, K Kendall, great band. Logan, good band. Good band. Uh, yeah. This was actually, a, I, thought, I thought, a halfway effective moment on Kendall's part because it's a, it, it's a very much Kendall kind of comparison, but it does strike a good chord. Cut to an amazing scene. A-plus, world-class scene, all-timer. Yeah. Cut it. Let's make it a NFT, whatever it is. Yeah. NFT, NFT. Let's Sell it at auction. Thing. Woo! It's amazing. Tom comes in. Greg's office immediately announces himself as Terminal Tom. So he's setting setting the bar at awkward. Did, did you notice that uh, Greg is in the shitty office that Tom put yes. him in? Okay, just yeah, and sure. he's cleaned it up. Yeah, so it, it looks it looks halfway nice. Yeah, he explains it. You know what it looks like? It looks like in one of those old, like real old secretary offices because it of does, the, yeah. the desk that he's got. It's got a bunch of little cubby holes and stuff. Almost like yeah. that's where you put mail. He explains, uh, Tom explains that he got his clock cleaned by Ravenhead, presumably for attempting to tell him how to do an editorial per show's yeah. request. Greg, no, uh, sorry, uh, Tom, it's cool. It's a job. I only mention it to amuse. Um, so he's done two things now to amuse him. One, call himself Terminal Tom. And two is to say that a guy who purportedly reports into him just fucking told him to fuck himself. Mm -hmm. Tom, not in a great space. Tom says he's down there to put the screws to you, Greg. I'll put the screws to you. But he points out Greg has received some, quote, courtesy pastries. You ever received some nice. courtesy pastries? I have not been sent courtesy pastries. I would love to. These look quite tasty. Well, I would send you things. But if you listen to our Mangum Talks podcast, uh, Spencer's put the kibosh on any of us sending him anything ever again. You show no reasonable restraint when y'all do. So I had to impose rules. Yeah. I'm not allowed to send him anything ever again. Uh that, that, that was covered in our Mangum Talks podcast. Uh, question for you, though. Very serious question. Please. Um, these courtesy pastries, you think Greg's going to put them in a dog shit bag to take them home? I hope that he has better bags than the dog shit bags. Thank you for reminding me of those things. <laughs> Greg brags that he's being courted a bit. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. Greg says he's considering his options. Tom says, just, you know, fuck, I think you can get whatever you want. <laughs> I, I, just he's eating like a donut he's like dude i think you pretty much get whatever you want to be honest but, with you 
I mean, it's this is a weird conversation the two of them share. But Tom is really trying to be supportive and buddy buddy yes. to Greg throughout. He really is in his warped to Tom way, but he is. He's trying to be a friend and he's trying to be a helpful boss. And I'll tell you the moment it shifts. Greg says, well, my heart is at parks. Experience economies are where it's at. He's been in New York too long. This mm. is shit. Tom gets excited. Let's game this out. Let's do this. Greg says, okay, cool. Well, I was thinking of operations director. Uh, then I kill Ray because fuck Ray. Everybody hates Ray. Uh, they agree that uh, I should do some hands-on work, like in a two-tier park, like up at Buffalo, and I could be home every weekend. Tom, right, right. Perfect. So I guess you've already gamed it out. Bang. There it ends. That's when it is. That's when Tom's feelings get hurt. Yeah. And hey, let's give some honest to God credit to Greg. This man took Logan's advice and thought about what he wanted and has really worked it out. And I'm sure he'll get it. I'm absolutely sure he'll get operations director. I'm sure that he'll be up in Buffalo doing his thing. I'm sure. Yeah. Tom, an amusing notion just occurred to me, Greg. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. (laughs) You're going to be running a theme park and here's me going to jail. And you're going to be living in a magical castle. I'm going to be down in a dungeon somewhere, sucking off ogres for phone cards. <laughs> Isn't that just a normal joke to be making? Oh, let's Greg keep going, though, please. Here you go. Buckle up, my favorite part of the episode. Tom, what do you know about Nero and Sporus? Question for you, Spencer. You know a lot about weird shit. Did you know Sporus? Did you know this, this I, story? I did know the story of Nero and Sporus because it is just that weird. Okay. Sporus was a young slave boy. He was Nero's favorite. Do you know what Nero did with him? Greg, Nero and Sporus. That is a non-IP I'm familiar with. Again, physically too long. Physically hurt me that he said that right there. Like a fucking stab in my throat when I heard him say, yeah, I'm not familiar with that IP. Is that a new fantasy book that's coming out soon? He's like, um, Greg has just been in New York way too long. He needs to go to Buffalo and stay there. Mm -hmm. Tom, well, Nero pushed his wife down the stairs. Keep track of that one for later. And then he had Sporus castrated and he married him instead. And he gave him a ring and he made him dress up like his dead wife. Tom, I bought a book on Roman Street in prison. Big book, Greg. It's a good book? Yeah, it's a decent book. I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. And he means that in the most heartwarming (laughs) way possible. And only this show could sell this as a heartwarming line. (laughs) And it worked. Yeah. And Greg's first five seconds is understanding how Tom meant it mm-hmm. and smiling and saying, thanks. And then going, that's really, really fucking weird. weird. And then he looked at Tom and Tom looked to be in a different headspace. And he calls it. He says, are you okay, Tom? Tom then tries to wrestle with him because who doesn't do that? I mean, a little horseplay in the I... office. Spencer, you do this all the time, right? With other associates, maybe some partners at your firm, a little horseplay, cock-a-doodle-doo, little, little, little rooster fight. We, we did, and then HR talked to us, and now we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Greg, I don't want to do it, man. I don't want to do it. Tom, neither do I. What do you think he's talking about there? He doesn't want to have to do any of this that he's not being forced into doing. That he's living a life that he's completely outside of his control, and he's all of his interactions with Greg are reflective of that fact. If honestly, this whole wrestling thing, it almost seemed like a desperate desire to get a hug it almost just seemed like he wanted physical contact with another human and didn't know how to ask for it yep 
But he goes on to say, Greg, I was a joke, you idiot. You're so hard to riff with. It's a big career obstacle for you. Uh, and then he, um, uh, then he walks out and he knocks his fucking coat rack down. Just bang. Slams something, on the ground. something to you. destroy. Here's the, deal with that coat rack, you son of a bitch. Pick it up. Like as I said so. Wonderful scene. What a scene. Wonderful scene. Uh, what it, a scene. Tom is one of the most fascinating characters in the show. And so every scene with him is delight. But him and Greg is just utter candy. I mean, I don't honestly want him to castrate and marry Greg. But if the two of them could find a way to spend more time together, I'd be very happy. So I have a theory here. I think this is the last scene we're ever going to get where Tom ostensibly is Greg's mentor. I think they show that to us by the fact that they're dressed the same. Yeah, they're dressed the same and that Tom honestly tries to do the mentoring thing and Greg's already surpassed him. Yep. Uh, You know, I don't think we'll ever see them in a scene where Tom is supposed to be his mentor again. And I don't think we'll ever see them in a scene where they're dressed the same again. That's my bet. I mean, if we, if we could get the two of them in a situation where Tom is not in a position of superiority and they're actually just meeting his peers, he might act like a vague, a vaguely human individual in that moment. It'll be curious to see. Cut back to Josh, Kendall, and Logan. Josh says the easiest thing for him to do would be for, I don't know, Kendall to backpedal. Say you were mistaken. Kendall immediately jumps in. Is that what this is? Thinking that he's being set up. Thinking that Josh and Logan have had a conversation about this before and that they are just orchestrating this scheme to try to pressure him into changing his position. Uh, Josh says, no, 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 no. Um, but I do want you to close the outrage shop. You know, leave it for the DOJ to investigate. Doesn't help in this, does not help in this, that Logan goes, you should listen to him, son. That does not help. It does not, does not. But Kendall's being way too paranoid about this. Of course, Josh would want this if he actually wants to work with you on this. Of course, this would be base minimum of what he wants. Because this... This issue is what makes their entire brand unstable right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think also there's another way to read what Kendall... I mean, Kendall is insinuating you two have talked about this before. He is, he is he Straight up says that, yeah. Yeah, he is. But I also think that, there, that his reaction is somewhat in line with, even if he did not assume that, going to, like, going to Josh and saying, Josh, is this what... Is this your big master plan? that you pulled us here for is to tell me to fucking back off of this. Like, is that really like, cause there is a way he could have responded to that. That is very, very similar to what he said that slightly tweaked, which is punt the idea that he talked to Logan about it before, but really focus in on the fact that like, is this it fucking captain numbskull that this is your big plan. You think I haven't heard this before? Nobody's yeah. nobody's pitched this idea to me before. What, like, and if he, what is wrong with you? And if he'd done that, it would have come across better than the little paranoid ranting that he does instead. But yeah. he he needed to have thought about all this in advance to be able to be able to be prepared for it. But he absolutely it, should have because it's a dumb idea. Like, did, did Josh even broach this? Is stupid because of course everyone is in the in their mother has told Kendall that he has this option. He should be doing this. Logan's told him. Waystar's pushed him. Waystar's lawyers. Hit, everyone has told him this. Like you're yeah. not the first one to. And you think he's going to? You think he's going to flip on a dime because you, yeah, Mr. 4%, he, he, told him that it's a good idea? Well, if, yeah, if he's ignored everybody previously, he's certainly not going to listen to you right now. But it's also reflective of the fact I think a lot of this episode has come into a realization of where Kendall has kind of boxed himself in a corner, of where. There's not a good scenario left to get what he wants without working with his family. And that's disastrous to him. Yes. Josh walks ahead a little bit. And uh, then Logan comes up, needling him. Just Poke a bit. Needle in. Just a Says, bit. you okay, son? Some of those drugs you do make you paranoid. Is that right? Cut to Shiv walking in the hallway and coming into Carl's office. He's with Frank. 
uh, shocker, they're eating. Have you noticed these two, like, take a lot of lunch breaks? I would, too. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's good to have buddies to have lunch with. She asks if they've heard anything from... This is the scene that we talked about before, where she missed... I don't know what she heard from Logan. She, she heard she you're the as, boss. I'm supposed to go in there and really punch these guys. Yeah, get these old fuddy-duddies moving right now. So, Shib then goes in and she says, have you heard anything from Logan, Frank? Well, either it's all going great or they've been... They, either it's all going great or they've stabbed each other to death because we've heard nothing. Mm-hmm. Shib then asks where they're at with Sandy and Stewie negotiations. They attempt to give her an update, but she keeps pushing them really aggressively and not in a really sensical way. There doesn't seem to be a lot of strategy. She's not saying like, hey, you shouldn't be talking about this point. You should be talking about this point this way. And you should be like, she doesn't have a lot of like detailed notes as to what they should be doing. It's just very heavy handed. Hey, you're not doing enough, you idiots. Like that's kind of hitting them with a club. Yeah, your, your, her, her advice is, shouldn't shouldn't we be doing more? To which, that is wonderfully helpful to a negotiator who's midway through a negotiation. It's like, yeah, we'd love to, but we're on line 12 and that's where we are. What else do you want right now? Yeah. She basically insinuates they're dragging their feet. They need to push harder. Spencer, 1 to 10. 10 being peak Logan Roy. You love Logan. But Logan, peak Logan Roy. Team Logan, One, yes. The worst on. of Kendall. Where do you rate uh, what Shiv did here? Well, it's not. It's her. not worst Kendall, but you know, if 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 that's the range we're going with, if she had an objective here, she accomplished none of it, and yet felt that she did when she left. So that strikes me as two, three-ish kind of level. I think yeah. maybe a th- it's three. We we'll go with a three. What, what worst Kindle is really low. So three, three-ish seems fine. If worst Kindle zero, I give her a negative nine and a half. But like, I think, oh, she, come I on, think it's man. a complete loot. Like she, this is not Chappaquiddick. Well, well, we, we've forgotten that in the Kindle household. <laughs> um, <laughs> she misreads the situation, makes enemies unnecessarily and accomplishes nothing strategically. Like a complete disaster. And it's her first big, like, business move. Like, previously she's had the speech and this, and it, this is how everyone's now going to look at her now. Carl pushes back a little. He says, well, what we're trying to do is figure out if there's a deal space in here somewhere. Like, is there any little teeny place in here we can find a deal? And she insinuates, so she may have to go tell one of them to just go in there and bang some heads together, basically. Like, oh, I'm going to send one of you in there. To, like, again, I'm the boss. I might have to tell you to do blah, 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 blah. She stands up. Uh, and she walks out, and as she leaves, she mean mugs him. Yeah. What was that about? I, they that, didn't say a single thing rude to her, and she mean mugs him on the way out. They, to the degree they gave her any pushback, well, again, she views herself as Logan's successor, and that's how she thinks that Logan interacts with everybody, which is has a certain element of truth, but it's not the complete story. And also, Agreed. they they gave her a certain element of pushback. They questioned her a little bit, and I think she took a little bit of offense to that. She's so stupid. Cut to Josh, and he corners Kendall and asks him, well, what do you have? Kendall Stonewalls, of course. Because, I mean, like, here's the thing I would I would have said as Kendall. I would have said, Josh, you don't even want me to tell you that. Because then yeah. you would be dragged into you, the DOJ. You would, be impl- you would be implicated. You'd be implicated in this situation. You don't want to know. Why are you asking me that? Like, what, what is wrong with you? Wouldn't this have been a wonderful scenario for Kendall to actually discuss and role play with his, you know, marketing team and his attorney or even fucking Logan before he went into this? Just so we could have a pre-prepared series of hot points about likely questions he'll be asked and how he should respond to them? Wouldn't that have been great? Wouldn't it be that what you would have advised your boy to do? Yeah, I would have. 
Josh, I guess it's difficult, right? I mean, if you have jack shit, you look like a fake. If you have really damaging shit, you make me want to run away with my $3.5 billion. Kindle confirms Logan is implicated. Well, he's implicated. That's all I can tell you. Logan walks back up. And Josh again pushes them to keep walking. Let's keep going. Come on, guys. Let's keep, come on. Let's keep going. Okay. And come again, on, just a again, farther, again, farther. again, Logan screws up here. His pride gets in his way. But the guy that could have stopped this at any point was Kendall. And he fucking knows it. Kendall could have stopped this at any point of, no, no, no. Let's stay here and talk for a minute. Let's wait for the cars. He was the guy that could control that. And he actively chooses not to because he's just trying to get the slightest leg up on his dad. He doesn't know what the game is right now. And that's a problem. I don't know if I agree with that 100%. Because I do think that he he ultimately wants... He, here's the thing. I don't think he, it even remotely occurs to him that the guy will really will flip to... Then he's an idiot. Then he's a fundamental idiot. Well, not, but yeah, but he also knows that his... You, you keep saying, well, what is his ultimate goal? His ultimate goal is to get the shareholders and the board members to eventually back him to lead. And in order to do that, he's got to make Logan look weak. This was a great opportunity to make Logan look yeah. like a fucking idiot. And Logan is you, is doing his dumbass pride is giving Kendall every opportunity to hang him out to dry. Not, not disagreeing. So I, I, I'd, is it a bad move? Yes, I would have. Well, if I was Kendall, I would have said, stop. We need to deal with the carts because it, it is like Frank told him. You have a nuclear fucking bomb that's about to go off here you need to have to handle that what? first i do think there was some strategic thought in it from kindle though he wasn't just being an idiot he was thinking what hey, the, the he... second part of what frank said right because the second part of what frank said was this is an opportunity to show that if logan has to step aside you're the right guy so i think he was like he was out of um he was out of order right with what? that he was focusing on that second part that frank said and not the first which is you got a bomb that's going off you have to deal with the sandy and suey well he's trying to shoot the moon not realizing that the also that, that if he loses the game he has no chance at all anyway he, he, he's he's trying to go for the perfect hail mary when in reality he's trying to, you should be just trying to progress yards to be able to survive to the next play but i i don't think that's what i mean he was out of order with his strategy right he wasn't he wasn't focusing on the immediate need he was doing the long need in making logan look bad but you at have which, to get his vote in the shareholder meeting first before that next part. In, in this moment, at this time, with this guy, making Logan look bad is the worst possible thing you can do. And he should have understand that going in. But he doesn't. Cut back to Shiv's office and Tom walks in and says he's uh, it's a no from Ravenhead. Shocker. Says uh, he cannot accommodate the pivot. Shiv says it's unfortunate. Tom says he was pretty unpleasant about it all. I bet he was. Schiff says, uh, Greg signed the JDA. Spencer, translate. Uh, joint defense agreement. There it is. Tom isn't taking a victory lap about this, though. He says, yeah, it's about my level. Tom Wamsgam, minion wrangler, shit eater. Schiff says, are you okay? Second time Tom's been asked this. Are you mm -hmm. all right? Tom comes in and says, here's what I've been thinking about. When we get home, you know that fucking first glass of wine that on, a, on an empty stomach gives you a quick head buzz, really cold crisp delicious pairs well with everything apples cheese you fucking name it that first glass of cold white wine i'm really gonna fucking miss that in prison you know what i have to do in prison to get wine i gotta burp the wine i gotta burp the wine in prison spencer you ever heard of burping the wine hadn't before this episode okay it'll help you with maybe some of your clients at some point that is a real thing you do have to burp the prison wine appreciate that um, thank you yeah you got it no problem uh what if he forgets to burp the wine? Maybe he'll get in trouble with all of his prison friends. <laughs> he then sort of spazzes and he ends on, I'm fucking terrified, Schiff. 
this is a moment. This is, I want to, yeah, go ahead. Your partner, your significant other, person you most deeply love, in any context, says with meaning, I'm fucking, I'm fucking terrified. How do you react? Go. I stop. Yeah. I look him right in the face and I say, I hear you. I understand. Let's talk through it. Yeah. Let's talk through your, let's talk through why you're scared. Let's talk about what we can do to help you. A, not be scared short term. Um, let's go get some ice cream or something, right? To just get your mind in a better place. But be long term. What can we do strategically to try to put you in a better position? I'd listen. I'd hold their hand. I'd empathize. I'd say, I love you. Whatever happens, I'm going to be with you. Shiv, obviously, great wife that she is. How does she react? Fucking great wife. What? I mean, what do you think? A plus person that she is, she refuses to hold his hand and say, it's, um, I don't know what I can say to you, Tom. On a scale of 1 to 10, we just did that before, of where 10 is just the perfect response that is exactly what your partner needs and brightens up their day in a way that you know, you, they should write Me. books on. And 1 is actively making the situation tragically, damagingly worse. Where does Shiv rank on this scale? She's a 2, only because she didn't say you deserve to go to prison. That's the only thing that gets her out of a, out of a one. <laughs> She didn't actively pour salt in it. She just didn't. Yeah, she didn't say, well, you're getting what you're just desserts. She didn't say that, but she is just a notch above that. Because she literally was too too concerned with the fucking secretary or whoever walking down the the hallway to even hold his hand or to touch him. And then says, I don't know what I can say to you, Tom. We're in an episode of where we hear about Roman and Kendall paying a homeless man to tattoo his forehead with Kendall's initials. And this may be the most heartless thing in the episode. What <laughs> world are we in? That's a great fucking point. Shiv had a terrible... I don't know that Shiv's ever had a worse episode than this. It is bad look she, after bad she, look. She gets a win. She gets a win before we're done. Bad look after bad after bad after bad. She's awful this episode. Uh, Tom leaves because uh, why? Well... Um, Shiv gets a ring from her one true love, which is her father. And she says, I have to go, Tom. Bye. Um, Because, of course, Logan comes calling. Shiv does whatever she says. Mm -hmm. says. Uh, Logan tells uh, her very abruptly that he's spoken to Carl. And he is not happy with Shiv's level of input. Shiv, okay, well, (laughs) you know, fuck him, right? Logan, I don't need another toothache. She says, "Um, you okayed me to go in there and kick some ass. Exactly. That's what she thought. Logan, I gave you a destination. I can't walk you there, okay? Shiv says, well, if you give in, not sure Logan's going to like that term. You give in. To Carl, then everyone carves her out. There's a line. Logan, potential line of succession here. Nothing is a line. Everything, everywhere is always moving. Get used to it. I, I really like that line, and I also like his line before Andor. I gave you a destination. I can't walk you there. It's like, you got a goal, and I expect you not to be a bull in a china shop about it. How much can I really trust you with these objectives if this is how you go about them? Absolutely. I thought it was great. And I loved the, I loved that nothing is a line. Everything <laughs> everywhere is always moving. In this, in this exact moment, I need you to work with these people and to make it work and keep it off my desk. In six months, will that be different? Maybe. Because that's the nature of business. Everything everywhere is always moving. This, this is sound business advice right now, and we'll see to what degree she accepts it. For right now, she interprets this to mean, I need to go get a win for my daddy so I get back in his good graces. 
cut to Josh, Logan, and Kendall sitting down to some food. What do they What do they have there? It looks like little clams, lobster it, claws, maybe. It, it, yeah, it's like clams and lobster claws, maybe it, a boil situation. And they're in the middle of nowhere on his island, and it, this is just a pre-prepared table with fresh food that's being brought out to them, kind of thing. This guy has money. It's not their level of money, but this guy is still in a very privileged position. Well, he's got a private island. He's put $3.5 billion in a Waystar. Yeah, he's got tons of money. Um, I was just wondering what the fare was. It did, it did seem to be a, a shellfish situation. It did. It, nautically appropriate. Uh, Logan says, Look, where, where are we at with this stuff? Okay, I got a wife at home who's, you know, the longer I leave her there, the less money I have for things like this, okay? Because she's back home yeah. just negotiating. She's taking the drapes. She's taking the all the furniture. I'm not going to have any art left on the wall by the time Marsha is done negotiating the nightly I love you, okay? I got to mm-hmm. get out of here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Josh says, look, I hear you on the fundamentals. I mean, fuck Sandy and Stewie, right? That's just financial engineering. I can do that myself. Basically, let me, let me try to interpret what he's saying here. They're just figuring out a way to gain control of the company. They are not doing any sort of strategic right. thought about how to run it or how to create value in it. They are just trying to take it over and, and to own it as an asset. That's yes. what that is. Yeah. But this still feels off. I mean, Kendall, do you want your dad to go to jail? Heck of a question. Hell of a question. What do you think Kendall's honest answer is to that? I don't think Kendall knows. I, I don't really think he don't. either. I don't think Kendall's thought of, thought this out. I don't think he's really imagined a scenario where that's possible. I think he's I think he's just really seeing this as, as if I pressure my dad enough, he'll step down and it will naturally fall to me. I really think that's his thought process here. And I don't think he's ever entertained the possibility that cr- actual criminal sanction could occur to any of them. You're right. I uh, as as Team Kendall as Kendall's number two, his lieutenant on the podcast, as it were, the command pod that we're running right now. I can tell you, Kendall does not fucking know because he you can tell in his answer because he just kind of fumbles and goes, well, you know, the system needs to play. The process has to play out, blah, blah, blah. And Josh keeps pushing it. Um, look, dude, you need to tell me, like, do you want your dad to go to jail? Finally, he pivots to Logan. Maybe you take that. He says, here's what could happen to you, sir. Yeah. Maybe you take a reputational hit. You become a punchline. One of those big guys who aren't coming back. When is this going to end? I'm hearing separate planes. I got to say, I don't like betting on blood feuds. Logan says it ends with me in control. Slap wrist. I pay off this guy. Everything else. Sea mist vapor. I think. Do you think that's likely? No, but I think it's, well, (laughs) man, I guess it depends how cynical this universe is, but I don't think it's likely based on what we've seen, but I think it's very much the story that serves Logan's interest to represent right now. I don't even think Logan necessarily thinks that's necessarily the likely resolution, but it's the narrative he needs to convince Josh of right now. Josh, here's the disconnect. See, I think that end of day, you work for the shareholders. Work for me. But I think you think I'm some sort of dipshit who had a lucky night at the casino. That is what I think of Josh, by the way. I'd like hand up. That's what I... Lee thinks of Josh, that he's Fair some enough. dipshit who had a nice night at the casino. That's what I believe about that guy mm. who acts all fancy and then makes you eat fucking rodents for my pleasure. That's why I asked the question about the shellfish. Did, are they eating like rabbit or something? Like what? Why did he say it makes you eat rodents for my pleasure? I think it's just meant to be something gross. There's the, I'm making you come here to humble yourself before me to get fit. So, so I actually back you on this. I think I it was, just he was what came to mind. on the fair. Maybe like a... I don't know. I, I, anyway, maybe they, I got that right. They look like they're just eating shellfish, so I don't think it was directly uh, uh, directly related to what's in front of them. 
moves on, right, but I have a gun at your head. And what I need to know is this is going to be a functional situation. And I'm sure you're going to say, yes, this is going to be a functional situation. Yeah, of course, yeah. But I'm going to need to hear you say it's a functional situation. They say, yeah, it is. It's going to work. Josh course, says, yeah, that's a problem. I don't believe you. And here it is, sir. The smartest thing anyone says in the entire episode. Logan. Tell it to me, man. It'll be okay. Because he's a good kid. Yeah, he's a good kid. He goes on to say, look, I think he went too far, but he's a good kid. I love him. I mean, there'll be a big number. We'll pay. He'll mew and cry, and I get it. It'll all be okay. Maybe it'll be him one day. It's in his blood. He learned it from me. And maybe, maybe, maybe he's the best one. Maybe he's the best <gasps> one of all of them. Did you see the look? Did you see the look from Kendall? I did see the look from Kendall. And I also saw the kind of embarrassed little looks from Logan afterwards. I think he honestly meant this. I, I do don't too. think you I don't think he was that bullshitting completely when it comes he plays it off later that I beat yep. you and everything else. But I don't think what he says now and what he says later are necessarily mutually conflicting. I think this was actually a okay, fine, fuck it. I'll let down the barriers for a second. You'll see I'll tell you what I actually feel. Here's why it's gonna be okay. I honestly believe when he said maybe, maybe he's the best one of all. I think he meant that. I think yeah. he th in his mind, I think he thinks, yeah. I mean, remember the smirk from the end of last season, the little smirk we got. I think he he thinks, yeah, Kendall might be the best. What, and, Is he mad at Kendall? Yeah. Does he want to murder Kendall? Yeah. But I think he thinks Kendall might be the best. What, but, and uh, by the way, not not a super controversial thing. We're saying he's the best. We're just saying he's better than Connor, Shiv, and Roman. It's not, <laughs> it's not like we're asking him. Yeah, That's not a lot. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not talking about a competition with the top of the card here. We're, we're betting on horses six, seven, and eight. It's I'm really not saying down he's to... better than Jerry. I'm saying he's better than Shiv, Roman, and Connor. Yeah, <clears throat> it's also one of those things too. We're we'll directly present in a second. Him saying that I think he might be able to do it one day and that he's the best in no way suggests that Logan intends to just sit idly by and let him take it. It's no, not uh -uh. in. It's not in Logan just to keel over and let the heir apparent assume the job. Man's going to die fighting. That's what he does. Yeah. But he's saying maybe it'll end up that way. And yeah. if it does, maybe that's not so bad because Kendall might be the best of all. Which, which honestly, I think one of the things that we can, we can debate endlessly to what degree Josh actually has any intention of backing these guys at all or whether he's already fully Team Stewie. That's subject to debate. But if there's a chance, one of the main things he wants to be reassured about is that Kendall, there is an heir apparent that... You either are going to live forever or you've got a plan in place for the next succession and that guy can do the job. And so yep. hearing this is an important part about that. And I think it's important to note that this right here for right now does shut Josh up. It does land with him. Kendall, but it also jams Kendall up. He doesn't know oh, what yeah. to say. It, it, Josh it jams Logan up. Logan doesn't know but, what to say after this. And this is where I think that there might be an argument. I, I think you can argue both sides of the coin. There might be an argument that Josh really does start to to pivot to them because he says, then he kind of drops the veneer of this, like, hey, I need you to dance for me. He just goes, okay, well, this is going to work. I need a couple things. EPS juicing, earnings per share juicing. He finally's on Logan's script. I need some stock buybacks. Here's the couple things that I'm going to need in order to go with you guys. Uh, basically, what he's saying is I need, I need things to help in a very immediate term make me whole from the 10% hit on your stock price that I've recently dealt with because of your shenanigans. 
EPS juicing and stock buybacks will do that for him in the short term. Uh, he probably is also hoping the share price eventually rises, but in the short term, he's asking for some things. And the fact that he's going through and asking for those things right now makes me think he might be a little bit serious because he's actually talking about technical details. Possible. Logan says, it sounds good. Sure, I'll consider that. Absolutely. Josh gets a call, says he needs to take it. Here is the part where I start to think that Josh might just be in the bag for Sandy and Stewie. You notice when he gets his call, it's a lot of, yep, 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 yep. It's Sandy. I I fully believe he's talking to Sandy right now. Absolutely. Or Stewie. Yeah, He's talking to one of the two. He's absolutely talking (laughs) to one of the two. He's not talking to Stewie, Sandy, or Sandy. Who who knows which Sandy? But he certainly is. uh, He's not talking to, like, the guy at the big house who's going to bring the cart. This is not the cartoon. That's not who he's talking to. Not the cartoon. No. Um... He then, Josh uh, comes back and says, hey, um, oh, uh, when he gets the call, he says, uh, I need to talk to the cart boy, make it a little easier for you guys to leave. Here you go from your boy, Logan. City boy, aha. Uh-huh. Well, you're a bit far from your nearest coffee and bagel. This, this this is not the first anti-Semitic joke we've gotten from Logan this episode. This is one of the more pronounced ones, but this is not the first. God, he- Everybody in this fucking show is intent on shooting themselves in the foot all the fucking time. Well, unforced I, error after unforced error. I, and I I don't think Logan meant this as anything other than a joke, but it just shows out of touchy, I think. Yes, it does. Uh, Josh ignores that and starts talking uh, while he, he takes off. Um, now we have another awkward silence between Logan and Kendall. This is the one you were talking about. This is earlier. my favorite. This is the best one because this is the one where... Logan is really uncomfortable because I and, and, and he was he was vulnerable. Brian for Cox a half well, because I think he was honest. I think he was honest about what he thought about the situation, about what might happen when he's gone and Kendall and he feels uncomfortable. And Kendall keeps looking at him like, Dad, did you fucking mean that? Like, that's the look that oh, I, yeah. I got from Kendall. Like, did, were you yeah, yeah, look for real? Look at me for a second. I need to actually read whether that was true. Finally, Logan just goes, what? And Kendall says, doesn't say a thing. Back comes Josh, comes over and says, hey, uh, we should uh, we should head back. Um, let me bring some carts over for you guys. Here's the part that you don't like. Kendall says, you want to rest up old geezer? Again, again, you know this. You know how Logan's going to react when you do this. He is purposely trying to make Logan work, look weak. And this is not the moment. They start to walk back and Josh is way ahead of them. As they walks, Kendall, uh, says, uh, nice speeches. Um, well, you say anything to get fucked on a date, don't you? Um, that's he's playing it off. He's playing it off. Logan, you know Greg's with me now. He tell you? Uh, you're on your own now, son. Kendall, we'll see. Retire now. Effective immediately. Maybe I go easy. Row back. Logan, you'd scuttle the fleet in a month. That's the most offensive shit in Kendall's mind. That's the most offensive thing he's ever probably ever said to him. Yeah. You'll wreck the If company. you took over, you would fuck the company in a month. Mm-hmm. That, like, you can call Kendall like a crackhead. You can call Kendall a bad dad. All that stuff, he thinks there's a kernel of truth. This part really hits him because I don't think he thinks this is true. I think he really believes he could run the company well. Yeah. Kendall, um, Dad, you're the silverback, but I put you in the crown that day and you don't get to come back. I don't think I believe that. Logan, you know something, son? I'd sooner get... I'm not going to say this part. You want me to to say it? I'm happy to say it. Yeah. Apologies to all people that will be offended by this because it's Logan, but I'd sooner get fucked by a spick in the shower block and see you have it. Okay, this is further proof that no blacks, no women, no Jews above the fourth floor. (laughs) What Connor was saying probably was more accurate than we could ever imagine. He goes on to explain that he's got the Raisin, the family, Greg, tattoo guy. He's got all this stuff uh, in his bank. um, And he says, face it, son, you lost. 
Josh then says, well, I got some visitors coming. Wonder who that could be. Wonder who that could be, Spencer. Who are your visitors? Probably, you know what it probably is? Probably the doctor coming to look after his sick daughter. That's Absolutely. probably who yeah. it is. Yeah. That's plus, what makes the most sense. Plus, they ate like two of those clams and touched none of the lobster. All that food's going to go bad. He's got to arrange for more food deliveries. It's a, it's a doctor and food deliveries. Plainly, it's coming. Somebody got a doggy bag? Like a legit, like a, one of those dog bags I can put the stuff in? Yeah, dog yeah, bag. yeah. We, we need to have more of those around. He clearly starts struggling. Uh, Logan does. Logan tells Kendall to stop staring. I'm fine. This is where Logan, you know, this is you, his you pride. can say that Logan, is Logan was the MVP of it, but this is where he fucks everything up, really, because what? he just refuses to fucking stop walking and take a breath. He's, and his goddamn ego gets the better of him, and he fucks the situation. It does. And it's absolutely his fault in that regard. It's a scenario that Josh purposely set up to happen, and Logan saw it, but his pride got in the way of him doing it. But Kendall was the odd man out that could have been in Logan's camp and stopped it. That's all I'm saying when it comes to this. It's true, but, but Logan, very stupid. And um, look, Brian Cox, love you. He looks like a guy. I got worried. Far. I got worried during the scene. <laughs> they play it very authentically. Oh, oh, please, dear God, get this guy some, some shade and some water. But also, like, have you seen Brian Cox lately? He's an old man. Eh, big belly. Old man with a big belly. Um... Josh warns, hey, there are bumps coming up here. Logan says, ah, no, I'm fine. I've, I've dealt with bumps before. Kendall shakes his head, says, ah, he's fine. He's a bear. This is the part where you're, you're right. I mean, Kendall knows what's going on. Kendall's been uh, poking him the entire time. And then finally, this. Kendall says, he can't even fucking tell him you need a breather. What's wrong with you, Logan? I beat you. Pipe down, Kendall. What's that? I can't hear you, Logan. You're fucked, Kendall. Uh-huh, look at you. You're 600 years old. You pissed off your fucking boyfriend, the president. He's sending the feds on you, and you're wriggling, but you're in too deep. Everyone knows now that you're trying to counter, but you put Shiv in there, and she's a fucking dipshit. Here, no one respects her. Everyone's digging her out, and you're losing control, and everyone hates you. <laughs> Good lines from my man Kendall. This man's been wanting to say this for a while. This is the venting that he needed to do. This is the therapy they never got when they met at Austerlitz back in last season. And you're losing control and everyone hates you. That's it. That, by the way, has been gif all over the internet. Mm-hmm. That's been that's a con head level gif now. <laughs> um, you're losing control and everyone hates you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like... Uh, me at 2.30 a.m. when there's still three slices of pizza left that I ordered. <laughs> You're losing control when everyone hates you. Absolutely. <laughs> Fill it in. Keep going. Mm. Um, Logan then says, look, uh, let's just close the deal with Josh. All right. Like he tries to kind of put an end to this bickering. Kendall, he fucking hates you too. Your anti-Semitic fucking bagel and gold bullshit. He's right like about that. About. Logan, oh, fuck off. Logan got real mad at that because he knew Kendall was right. It probably yeah. didn't even occur to him how stupid he was being. Yeah. And Kendall says, look, um, uh, you don't even know what you're saying half the time. Uh, you're losing it. You're losing your fucking mind. You're crazy. And Logan says, do you have water? <laughs> At this point, Logan's in trouble. Yeah. Kendall says, ask your fucking iPhone. <sighs> Cold. Josh then, hey, this is the short way. Josh keeps assuring him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to Kendall's credit. He finally does say, hey, look, dude, this seems like it's going to the ocean. Like, can we just stop for a second? And Josh continues. He says, well, no, 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 no. This is the short. We're just about there. We're well, just about there. Yeah, Josh's line so, of, this is the quick way, but sometimes it takes longer, should tell us everything we need to know about how bullshit this whole thing is. He's such a fucking asshole, this guy, Josh. I really don't like him. He, it's, you know my hate list of the, of the episode? You ready for it? Please, yeah. Number one, fucking Shiv. Number two, Josh. Number three, 
fucking Sandy and Stewie. There you go. One, two, three for me. So, what are your what's your dislike list of the episode? Let's I, let's put them on the big. We will discuss Kindle this. one. We will discuss this on Roy of the episode when we get. Okay, there. so it's got to be Kindle one then. That's the answer. Um, Logan says, "Get me something in case I puke." Logan continues breathing harder and harder. He finally bends over, gagging. Kendall then finally says, "Dude, are you having a heart attack?" Logan says, "I'm not having a heart attack. I know what that is. But I'm not having that. Basically, I'm just fucking exhausted." He slows down. Uh, he finally starts to fall down. Kendall catches him. Josh realizes what's going on. They put him on a stone to sit down. Kendall then finally, for like twelve fucking heartbeats, is a son and starts to unzip Logan's jacket, trying to get him some air, kind of gets him settled. Then. In the misread of all misreads of all misreads, turns to Josh and says, it's too much, son, and starts to go to open the conversation back up about things. And Josh cuts him off. He's like, dude, fucking what's wrong with you? Focus on your dad. Josh, asshole that he is, number two on my hate list of the episode. Not wrong in this situation. Kendall, bad move. All the way around, from every perspective. Well, it's a bad move and it's a bad look. I mean, one of the main things he wanted when bringing the two of you out here was to know whether you two can work together to a certain degree, because that's when he needs to be reassured. And you are not helping things right now. Cut to Shiv walking into an ATN meeting. They're talking and she says, I'll wait in the corner. Because that, when when the president of your company comes in and says, I'll just wait in the corner, you guys keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, they break the meeting. Ravenhead stays behind, but one of his employees comes up to Shiv and says, look, he does basically he doesn't want to hear this shit, all right? He talks about editorial with Sid, who we know runs the news desk for ATN. Mm-hmm. We've seen her in previous seasons. And Logan, that's it, not you. She says, oh, it's not about editorial. She walks out. Shiv turns around. Just about editorial. <laughs> it's about editorial. Uh, and she basically just says, hey, look, need you to start beating up on the president. You got to start beating up on the raisin. And Ravenhead says, no. I don't want to do it. And Shiv says, look, it's Logan who is saying this. It's Logan who wants this, right? And he has a great antenna and you should trust his hunches. She goes on to say, in a sense, this conversation's already over. It's just a matter of how many times we scream the word fuck at each other before you do what we want. Ravenhead, what if I go public about this full court press? Incredibly embarrassing for you. Last card he's got. Shiv, yeah, the thing about us, Mark, and you should know this by now, we don't get embarrassed. Potential line of the episode. Hmm. What do you think of that scene? Is well, that the win from for Shiv? Shiv's this, one win of the episode for this you? Is, this is how we can't say this is a complete failure of an episode for Shiv. Because this is an honest win. Tom, we don't know what how much Tom actually pushed this. Probably not much. He probably just felt really awkward about it. But this is something her dad wanted. It's something that's useful. It's one of the big wins her dad gets this episode directly as a result of this. And she made it happen. So I, she honestly needs to get credit for it. This is something that Shiv's good at. Not subtlety. Dear God, not subtlety. But when you need a bull in a china beating. shop. Yep. She's a bully. She's a very good bully. It's what she can do well, and that's what she does here. You need brass knuckles? She's got them. Yeah. Uh, cut to Roman going into Jerry's office. Jerry explains negotiations with Sandy and Stewie aren't going well. This is the heartwarming moment of the episode, by the way. This is the aww moment. Roman, how's the date? Did you fuck him or just tug him off between courses? Jerry puts the phone down. Okay, enough. Stop that. I'm literally on the phone with somebody, you fucking crazy person. Roman, seriously, stop flirting with me. They go back and forth. Roman then gives over the pictures of the tattoo guy. Jerry tells him not to use it. She admits, yes, it would be bad for Ken. Obviously. Good for Logan. Obviously. But also be bad for you. Roman is blown back a bit by this. Doesn't quite know what to do. Says, oh, what, you, what do you, do you like, care or something? Not used to that. This is the quote you referenced it earlier. Mm-hmm. Potential line of the episode. How does this advance my personal position? You need to think about that 24-7. You should have that tattooed on your head. Oh, did you hear about your dad? Very sweet moment there where um, 
is Jerry giving Roman what he wants, which is to be told exactly when and where he's not allowed to masturbate going forward uh, uh-huh. in a variety of ways through a variety of different walls uh, in inappropriate places? No, she's not giving him that. What she is giving him, though, is an indication that she, more than anybody in that company, probably including Logan, actually has his best interest in heart. Mm-hmm. Don't get that very often. Uh, cut to Logan in the plane. He's explaining to someone, uh, look, I don't control him like that, okay? He gets editorial freedom. He then moves the great fucking scene. One of, my, one of my favorite moments is from a funny perspective. It's so funny. because we a... Very rarely do we get to see Brian Cox like tell a joke or laugh in this yeah. role. And he finally got a joke. He was thought to tell a joke. It was almost, it's a, it's a weird thing to ever say is cute involving these characters, but it almost came across as cute. It's almost like a little grandfatherly moment of, haha, isn't this kind of funny right now? Yep. Yep. He uh, moves the phone over to his assistant and says, this is what it's like to hear the president lose his temper. And she listens in. And she smiles. She laughs. Fucking rant and raving. And she finds it funny. Logan says, I'll investigate. But I don't know if I wasn't so tied up in this fucking investigation, I could focus on keeping ATN on message. So there you go. This this is why I can't say that for either Shiv or Logan, this is a complete failure of an episode. This is a big win they get right here, right now. Is it? I think it is. I think it is. They finally got the president himself on the phone. They finally got the president responsive to actually paying attention to this. Previously, he's been doing everything possible to distance himself, to not talk to them directly, to not be directly involved in this, to not even consider what they're saying. Now he's calling him up on a private cell to rant at him, all kinds of pissed off. That's something. That's what Logan's been wanting from the beginning. Yeah, but he basically tries to blackmail the president. Like, this could all blow up in his face very quickly. He basically says, hey, look, if you just back off this investigation, then I'll get this thing back on message. He puts it too black and white. Like, this could be a real problem for him. I think it's going to work. I think this actually has legs in a way that could benefit them long run. I think this is another one of those things where Logan's going to get hit and and we're going to hear, well, you tried to fucking blackmail the president. I don't know. We'll see. Cut to Roman calling Kendall. Hey, I heard you tried to kill Dad again. <laughs> I love when these two can link. What, 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 another factor. This is an election year, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, an election is coming. I don't know if it's an election it's, year. I mean, you know, election cycle is about two years now. It, so. It's another factor for the president to consider right here when it comes to potentially negative press right now. Maybe. Uh, maybe your boy Logan got this right. I don't know. But it seemed to me like a pretty aggressive move it, to be openly what? fucking blackmailing the president and then hanging up on him. Th- th- this is the kind of move Logan lives for. This is the kind right. of aggressive punching he likes. Whether it works or not, it's a different question. But for right here, right now, he sees this as a win, and I think he might be right. Well, I, I'm basing it on every time with this administration we've seen this season where he has punched really hard. The administration has told him to fuck off. Like, it, it, it's it not has not worked. But it hasn't been the president. He, he's always wanted to talk to the president directly. He's always wanted to go directly to the raisin. And he's always been to have to deal with somebody else. And it hasn't worked with them because it's not what he wants. The raisin he can manipulate. Um, it's everyone else in between that are purposely getting in the way to prevent that. How do you, where, where are you basing this that he can manipulate the president? Where are you basing he, this? He on? seems to really think so. And I don't think he's he wrong. He seems to really, that's what you're basing it on? Yes, seems to that's really enough. So. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> All right. That's that's kind of where I'm losing you. Um Kendall says, look, it was just heat exhaustion. That's not what we're hearing. We're hearing you took an old man out to die in the sun. <laughs> it's like a Hemingway novel or something. Yeah. Uh, Kendall says they went on a hike, Roman. You tried to assassinate our dad with the sun. Do you have a fetish for nearly killing our dad? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just the tip, but for killing dad. Kendall says, look, uh, we got the photo in hand. Josh is a lock, Roman. Um, well, no, actually. Yet again, Kendall misreading his cards. Uh, he's out. Frank just got off the phone. Apparently dad's a little freak out, gave him the shits. Weak leadership, fractured at the top. 
You let him fucking shrivel. You saw that. And now he has, quote, zero faith in the post-ad leadership. We're about to lose the company at the shareholder meeting, all because you wouldn't give our dad a timely fucking Evian. Good day! Good day! This is a good tell-off by Roman right here. It's a great tell-off. It's great. I love any tell-off that hits the beats. Don't trip over a word. Get it all out. End with a good day. Yep. And just to add pure salt in it, fucking Stewie lands to come see Josh before Kendall takes off. Right there. Literally like 30 feet away. Yeah. Right right fucking there. He sees Stewie get out. You can't tell me that's not intentional. You can't tell me that was accidental. The timing of that worked out the way it did. He's got visitors. I got visitors. Better run up ahead of you guys. I got visitors. That's tough. That's really tough. But that is, my friend, the end of the episode and the end of your recap for this week. Bravo, sir. Well done. Well done. Woo! All right. End of the episode. Um, I think we should move on to our segments and then do some concluding thoughts. Because I don't want to do concluding thoughts until we do segment Roy of the episode. Let's do Roy of the episode first. I'm really excited about this one. Which Roy do you believe won the week? And we usually start by saying which one lost the week. Yeah. Let's go bottom and go up here. Shiv. You're, you're, you're going Shiv. Kendall I, two, Shiv, Shiv bottom. I, I would switch the two. I think Kendall is, ends up in the worst place here. Because I think at the end of this episode, he realizes that there's just no scenario left by which he gets what he wants. It's gone. That he bet too much on Stewie and Sandy being either a non-entity or being in his camp. And now he realizes that, oh shit, unless I back them entirely, we're all fucked and I get nothing. I'm not sure I agree with your saying it. It's absolutely gone. It's like things can turn on a dime very of course, quickly. Of course they can. Of course they so can. So like this this idea that everything is gone, all is lost for Kendall. He can't possibly get what he wants. That's not that's not true. But he certainly is in a weaker position than he started. But I would say that he still has way more cards in his hand than Shiv does. Shiv is Shiv fucked every single thing up she did through the episode. Uh, and I'm not other, quite sure why. Other than the Ravenhead. Okay, yeah, she she did browbeat uh, did browbeat uh, Fox News guy into to running a mean Chiron about the president. Yes, I don't know. I, I they both. I'll agree with you. They're both at the bottom. Okay, they're the bottom I, two. Then okay. I think you have to put. Then Logan? I think you have to put Logan. Uh, yeah, because he's just too much fucking pride and he can't walk. Yeah, man, L- Logan was doing great and he screwed it over himself and he s- he saw it coming. He saw it coming and his pride got in the way of him. So, uh, yeah, uh, he was he he got some very good hits, and I think he ends on a good note. But man, did it work out disastrously in the middle there. Too much pride. Then uh, Roman, Rome, Roman's kind of a non-entity. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't get what he wants, but he doesn't suffer that much either. And he's got a great send off for his brother before he's done. Are you trying to give it to Connor? Is that what you're doing? We're, we're going to find out, sir. I don't know yet. We're I, we have to go through the list still. All right, because I I'm going to give this to Roman. As Roy of the episode, because I, I, I yeah, thought you just, I think you just did Roman right here. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I'm going to say Connor before him, and then Roman. I mean, we're running out of Roy's here. God damn it! I, hell, I was going to put Greg pretty high up the list. I don't. I, you always put Greg on it. I don't, I, Greg is a, always honorable mention to me. He's always someone else. <laughs> All right. If we're focusing on just the the, the father and siblings, fine. Okay. Then I, if we're just focusing on the power five, I'm going to give it to Roman because he continues to learn listen and actually develop a meaningful relationship with another human being. And that is more than we can say about any of the other fucking Roy's of this episode of the power five. Now, if you want to include Greg in it, I think Greg has to be, there, right? I mean, does Roman Greg, if you put him in it, 
Yeah, if we're putting, putting it, I think, Greg wins. But d- does the moral issue bring down Roman at all that he's willing to use the tattooed homeless man for the sake of blackmail and seems to have very few moral qualms about it at all? I don't know. I mean, do you think... Do you... All right, your opinion of Roman when the episode starts, well, is it, that... Does that injure your opinion of Roman? It was end? it was a fun reminder that the guy that tore up the check in the boy's face is still there. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. You, you forget it sometimes that he is still that level of shit. See, and, no, I disagree with you. I disagree with you. I honestly think that what he realized is that there's been there's been a real problem in New Orleans. Um, they have an a, a, go on. Yeah, they well they have a they obviously have an economic problem down in New Orleans. Uh, a lot of businesses are leaving. People, climate change, they don't think that it's a long-term place to be. Trying to help the local economy, he's just spreading a little money around. He's giving this guy a million dollars of walking around money to help the people of New Orleans. That's how I take this. Shout out Roman, Roy of the episode. This this is your read here. This is your interpretation based on the events we saw. That the million dollars you put in there is seed money for the sake of bolstering the local economy? Indeed. Okay. I'm just going to say we have somewhat different reads on the purpose of this scene. Just offering that right there <laughs> yeah roman roman has a mean streak in him for sure uh but well, he has a callous this, streak yeah this thing with this thing with jerry though he's really learning a lot making i don't know if they're going to end up romantically together but he certainly is, is developing a, a real relationship with a person that like is rooted in like mutual concern and admiration and that right. is not something you see in this fucking show it isn't and man do i think it's going to blow up before the end which gives me qualms what about- I don't think it's going to work. Internet. Internet. All the internet that's out there. Attack. Go. Get him. No. His name is Spencer. He lives no. in Florida. Get him. The fucking We're... internet is going to be so mad at you for saying that. You know how much... Like, I feel like every Reddit message board does this thing about the episode. Here, you, you want to see it? Please. It yeah, yeah. Yep. Decision point. Do Roman and Jerry have sex? No? Disappointed? Okay, tell me the rest of the episode. That is every Reddit message board. I think Jerry's telegraphing that she doesn't see their relationship as having, you know, future. Legs. Legs. Legs, if you will. Yeah. I I think that's what she's saying and trying to let him down softly about. And I, I don't think he's ready for that. I think he's going to charm her. You think... He, of Roman. all the people yeah, in this show. he's going to charm her. Roman's going to charm <clears throat> Jerry. That's what Absolutely. Going He's yeah. done it before. I'll, I'll give him credit. He's he a philanthropist. He helps the local economy. No, stop it. That. that is He's not how that scene Jared. played out. <laughs> yes. All right. I think I think we have a rough degree of agreement. I think we're arguing over a couple. But yeah, we're, we're part, kind of in the same zone. If it's zone. Power Five, you probably have to give it to Roman. Not necessarily because he knocked it out of the park, but because he had like a he got he, on base. He avoided the shit. Yeah, and and you'd have to give it to Greg otherwise, because Greg at least um, was able to figure out a way to significantly improve his position through the episode which he did and i think i think we do at least need to note that connor each of these episodes has increasingly started to assert himself has increasingly started to indicate that no this guy's a player too and he has juice he even literally says i've got the juice this episode which you previously been as you know an indication of a guy's about to go off i know but it's it's so basic it's like i'm just gonna go out and say that dad's a bad guy like it's not it's not super well okay but it's more than it's better than it used to be Uh, that was bad the whole no jews women or black people over the fourth floor that's a killer right there yeah maybe 
Um, okay, let's move on to line of succession. What is the best line of dialogue from this week? Spencer always supplies me with a nominees. I have some nominees of my own. And then I, Grand Emperor of the segment, will select best line of the episode. Um, I can start. Please. I'll start with Logan. CC, I'm in a corner. Everyone wants a pizza. Everyone's out of their box. Everything's coming up. Fuck. Everything's coming up. Fuck needs to be on a t-shirt like yesterday. That is such a great line. So I want to use good. that forever. So uh, good. Line, be- line before that. Gang's all here. This is from uh, Kendall. Gang's all here, huh? It's like the fucking uh, Sergeant Pepper of broken corporate America. I, again, I love when they do the little insults that they don't know where they're going when they start to say them. So it was a great one. Conference call jokes, best jokes. Huh? Mm-hmm. Roman, I get it. Yeah, yeah, you're drawing the line. Or otherwise, Lori will knock my jolly old block off if he can find his sword stick and fire up his motorized bath chair. Ooh, good, good Roman line. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know they're calling me Terminal Tom down on 7 because I've got cancer of the career from Tom. Mm, tough. Logan, nothing is a line. Everything, everywhere. It's always moving. Get used to it. Great line. Great line. Uh, there's a few good lines from Connor, but I'll pick one. Uh, remember, remember when you had that, uh, play post office and you used to stamp all the mail that came in the house? It's a little bit like that, isn't it, Shiv? Woo! Powerful That's line. Honor- I'm going to go ahead and award that. It's not line of the episode. It's not line of succession, but it is, it is honorable mention this week. That is okay. honorable mention. Do you have any more? Uh, yeah, I got a couple. Uh, there's a few conversations I'll just reference, but let's see here. Um, Nero and Sporus, I don't. That's not an IP I'm familiar with. As said, that physically hurt me when he said that. Well done, Greg. Not an IP. Not an IP I'm familiar with. Uh, most heartwarming line of the episode, I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. Deserves a mention. Uh, Tom's whole line to Shiv about the wine and about ending with I'm scared was a great line, was a great little monologue by a character ending in the utterly brutal I don't know what I can say to you from Shiv wonderful moment between two characters to just set where they are um let's see here logan's i'll call it confession about how he feels about kendall as just an overall line i think deserves mention of just i think it's real i think it's revealing and it's powerful and uh yeah uh roman's last line if you try to assassinate your dad with the son do you have a fetish for nearly killing dad like just the tip but like killing dad funniest roman line of the episode very good. Okay. There's a great nominees. A lot of good dialogue in this episode. We're going to go ahead and award it. Best line of the episode. Season 3, episode 4. If I had my druthers. If it was just me and I wasn't picking this for the people, Spencer. Mm-hmm. I would pick. Greg, I don't want to, man. I don't want to. Tom, neither do I. Oh, that's a great I'd line, actually. That. That's a great line. I would pick that just for my heart. Mm-hmm. Instead, man of the people that I am. I give the people what they want. That's what we do here on Line of Succession. That's what we do with Mangum Talks. Line of the episode, I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. There we go, right there. It's had to be. Had to be. Is it the That's most the people want? Is it the most Tom line yet? I mean, we've t- we've had some epic Tom lines in the past. It's but unbelievable. Is, the, is is this you know peak Tom right now? Yes. I that is fully encapsulate how weird that character is, how weird Greg is, and how weird they are together. And I love that they dressed him the same to do it. It was great. I mean, some of your favorite episodes in the past have been Tom episodes. Do the Tom, do the at least the Tom moments in this episode even surpass the uh, Tom bachelor party for you? No, nothing's going to rival that. No, no, that was what. That's the whole reason we started doing the pod. 
Because yeah, I, I watched that episode and said, I have got to talk about this pod on the internet for people to listen. I got to let the, talk about this episode on the internet with Spencer for people to listen to. Closed loop system. All the time. I, well, you've delivered us some wonderful lines, sir. Shall we wrap up with some very brief relationship advice of the episode? Let's do relationship advice of the episode and then just a couple concluding thoughts on the episode and where it fits in with the greater season narrative. But let's do my favorite three minutes of the week. Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. Go. Okay. I'm just going to say that if you're in a relationship... And your partner's in an emotional state where they have a laminated book of white-collar prisons that they're just spending all day leafing through to ponder what the next few years of their life are, and then go on a multi-minute monologue on the subject of how they are really scared about the process, you know, the the idea of having to burp toilet wine, and how terrified they are of the prospects. And the best that you can offer at the end of that, of a person just laying their tortured soul out before you, is. I don't know what I can say to you. And then, oh, I've got a call from my dad. Bye. You don't have a relationship. You have something that you're using. And for the sake of the other person, let them go. Let them get away from you. Nothing positive is happening for them when it comes to this. Clearly, it's an abusive, wrongful relationship where you don't care about the other person. And you need to realize that for their sake. Because, dear God, I don't know why they're there, but they must feel beholden to you in some way. So, yes, everything we saw with Tom and Shiv was utter painful in a just dark, dark way. But that one just hurt me to see that just play out. That, one of my favorite moments of the series was Tom and Shiv on the beach into season two. I love that. This was a dark mirror of that scene. I don't know if the unhappy I am without with, you is more than the happy I, unhappy I am with you or something. Some, some line like that where he told yeah. me basically... I don't know if being breaking up with you would be worse than being with you. I'm but not sure. what makes the scene all the darker is in that scene, Tom said all that and Shiv cared. Shiv reacted. Shiv dedicated herself to not hurting Tom, to protecting Tom. She said that and she meant it. She gives none of that here. And Tom's in an even worse state. They're dead. It's gone. All you can do now is inflict further pain. Please leave. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think um, we can end with a couple concluding thoughts of the episode. I'll give you mine. I want yours, and then we'll wrap up. I think this is, I think what we're seeing this season is that we've got like a two-bump hill. We're on the, we're on track, and we got two bumps. The first is going to come next episode or the one after, which is going to be figuring out the shareholder meeting with Sandy and Stewie. They're going sure. to have to figure out a way to, they have to win. They, they The Roys have to win this. So we have to figure out a way that they're going to end up beating back Sandy and Stewie. I fully anticipate they will, but that's, that's the, that's the mid season drama that we have to get past. This episode clearly was a setup episode for that. I think we're going to get that next episode. I feel like it's a one, two punch, right? This episode to that. Then I think we're around episode nine or 10 is when you're going to get the, the results of something from the DOJ of is Logan being is Tom going to jail is Logan being uh, indicted does Kendall get immunity is Tom working with the FBI all of that is gonna yeah all that's gonna come up then mm-hmm. so um, I think you get a two I think that's what we got and I think this was a clearly a setup episode not the strongest episode they've ever done but clearly a very good hour of television like all succession and I think we're going to in true Spencer fashion, I'm going to frame this episode by saying how good this we'll episode see. ends up being in history is dependent upon how good the next episode is. Yeah, I very much agree with those thoughts. The only thing I'd add in there is that 
I'm really expecting Tom's playing a long game, and I think he's just trying to test everybody around him about how much they care about what he's going through to kind of influence what decision he makes when it comes to this. And if the big reveal later on is that Tom's call last episode was to start to coordinate with his attorney to turn state's evidence and to metaphorically or literally or whatever else push, push Shiv down the stairs... I will live for that moment of television. That'd be some powerful kind of stuff, and I bet the show would sell it well. They picked that particular allegory for yeah. a reason. And it, it wasn't the castrating of Greg and marrying him. It was the pushing his wife down the stairs. That's yeah. why I think they chose that. Because I think they were telegraphing that he's going to turn on shift. And I, I think to a certain degree, part of the reason he was disappointed was that he he came to that room because he wanted to help Greg because he cares about Greg and he's pondering his exit plan. And he wants to make sure Greg's okay. And he was kind of saddened to see that Greg doesn't need him when it comes to being okay nope. in this scenario. Greg's all right. Yeah. Yep. Through his own pluck and charm, Greg mm-hmm. has made it in this world. He's buying $40,000 watches he can't even wind up. What he's, up? He's chugging $1,000 rum in the morning. Knock it back. 9 a.m. Nice rum and coke in Logan's apartment. (laughs) Bet he never thought his life was going to end up that way. That's a a horrible thing to do to rum, but it's a wonderful thing to do to coke. I disagree with you. I think coke is really good on its own. I'm a big coke guy. Shout out coke. If you want to sponsor this podcast, I will will do a video pod with coke right in front of me. I love it. All right. Okay. Is this Coca-Cola? Is that what it is? Coca-Cola. Get Lee some of this, please. Coca-Cola. He said it, man. He could, like, it was for reading it for the first time. Yes. <laughs> Never heard of the product before. Uh, okay, that's it. We're wrapping up here on Line of Succession Season 2, Episode f- or Season 3, Episode 4. Thank you all for joining us. This is a lot of fun. We really enjoy doing this podcast. It continues to grow week over week, and we appreciate all of you for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And within that, if I had to rank those, I really like the review really want the review i like to hear from the people who are listening to this podcast why because spencer and i are going to do this anyway i'm going to call him i'm going to bug this shit out of him and say i want to talk about success what we do but the fact that we record it we chop it up we add music we try to make it professional we try to make it listenable listenable and enjoyable is because of you guys because we want you all to enjoy it so if you are enjoying it please let us know what you're enjoying what you like don't like um because we do this so that you guys can uh, can have a good time with it with us uh, we love the show, and we do love doing these podcasts. Check out any of our other podcasts by going to your favorite podcast platform, typing in Mangum Talks, M-A-N-G-U-M, Mangum Talks. Check out any of our other stuff. Yeah, I guess that's it for the housekeeping, folks. So I guess there's nothing left to say, but we will be back with you for Season 3, Episode 5, next week. We hope you all have a great week. Talk to you. Later.